you know, he, he reminds me more of a tennis ball bouncing around in the ring, but he doesn't really have any real effective moves. He's got one is his big kick. People actually believe that Shawn Michaels is the best wrestler in the whole World Wrestling Federation. Like, he's the top one, better than I am. And that just drives me nuts. The man who wins the most decisions will be declared the winner and the World Wrestling Federation Champion. Good luck to both of you. The 60-minute time limit has expired. However, this match has been ordered to continue under sudden death rules. Trying to put on the brakes, he did. Michaels, he got it. Sean Michaels got it. He got it. I'm not too sure if he got all of it. Whoa! But Michaels, he didn't get all of it. Michaels totally fatigued. Michaels can't cover him. But he got enough. Michaels out of nowhere. Michaels out of nowhere. He hit him with the super kick, but you'll never, kick. you'll never in your life see one of Shawn Michaels' opponents get hit with a super kick and then beat Shawn Michaels to his feet. Impossible. But we may see it here. We did. It's no. not over. Oh, he's not up yet. It's not over. This capacity crowd buzzing. They've never seen anything quite like this. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Michael said you got it. He got all of it. Michael's got all of it. Michael's going to cover it. Hello, my name is Bob Bamber and welcome to the Wrestling 20 Years Ago podcast. We're going back in the time machine to March of 1996 for Volume 1 of this month's show. Volume 2 is your WCW show, looking at Uncensored. Volume 3, ECW, looking at Big Ass Extreme Bash. And we've been joined here for Volume 1 for looking at WrestleMania by Del Muir. Del, good evening. Hi, Bob. And Wayne Lithgow. Hi there, Bob. Uh, Wayne, kick us off with the news. Shawn Michaels is the new WWF champion, defeating Bret Hart in sudden death of a 60-minute WrestleMania 12 main event. After no falls inside the allotted hour, Brett walked off with the championship, believing he'd return the scoreline at 0-0. Gorilla Monsoon restarted the match, Sean hit a pair of super kicks and picked up his first WWF championship. And following WrestleMania, it's expected Brett Hart will be taking an extended period of time off for the WWF, following a house show tour in Germany. As he did at the end of 1994, as you'll remember listening to the show, Brett will be off pursuing another acting career but there are reports that he may be unhappy with his current role in the company. 
Currently it's said that Brett isn't happy to be used as a transitional champion, nor at the likes of Diesel and Sean getting the spotlight. It's said that he isn't the only unhappy camper in WWF, with the more tenured wrestlers concerned that they perceive special treatment to the likes of Vader and the returning Ultimate Warrior. Diesel formally handed in his notice at the beginning of March, saying in a phone-in call to Vince McMahon he would be joining WCW. The contract he accepted is a three-year deal believed to be worth somewhere between $450,000 and $750,000 per year. Unlike Razor Ramon, who is still suspended, Diesel returned from an injury early in the month, formally turning heel and losing to Undertaker at WrestleMania. There is no formal confirmation that Scott Hall will be joining him in WCW, but he is still expected to, having handed his notice in last month. And elsewhere in the WrestleMania card, Body Donners defeated the Godwins. That was to win the tag team titles in the free-for-all pre-show. The geriatric match between the Huckster and the Nacho Man that also aired in the pre-show ended with both competitors and special referee billionaire Ted passing out. On the main card, there were wins for the team of Vader, Owen Hart and the British Bulldog and the Ultimate Warrior and the newly coined quote-unquote Stone Cold Steve Austin. The backlot brawl between Roddy Piper and Goldust, which appeared in two halves, sandwiching in an almost familiar car chase, ended in a no contest, and that was with Piper on top. And we move on to the ratings for the month. Nitro didn't air on March the 4th. Raw did a 3.6 rating, unopposed of both Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart in action. On March the 11th, Nitro headlined by Hogan, Savage and the Booty Man against Ric Flair, Arn Anderson and the Taskmaster did a 3.2 to Raw's 2.9 with Undertaker and Yokozuna against Owen Hart and the British Bulldog. On March the 18th, we saw a big win for Monday Nitro, 3.6 to Raw's 2.9. Nitro was headlined by Hogan and Savage against Flair and Taskmaster. Raw had Brett against Tatanka. Nitro, coming off uncensored, won the final week, also with a 3.1 headline by Flair and the Giant for the title, against Raw before WrestleMania, scoring a 2.8. And in terms of the average score since September, Nitro averages a 2.7 to Raw's 2.6. Action. Mm, I am big. It's the pictures that got small. Sunset Boulevard, 1950. Oh, but you were always big, Mr. President Piper, weren't you? At one time, you were literally huge. As a matter of fact, some of my earliest teenage fantasies derived right from this very pit. Watching you from the hills, I hung on your every word as each syllable spilled. From your luscious lips, I sunk deeper and deeper into my own sea of ecstasy. When you exploded that coconut over the head of one superfly, oh, I myself erupted with pleasure like a rock-hard mountain of lust. Mm-hmm. And that skirt... Oh, yes, we mustn't forget that skirt. I spent many hours of quality time alone just contemplating crepes of wrath. But, President Piper, things are different now, aren't they? You have moved into a new set. And that set is one Hollywood. But you forget... 
That's my set. Though I've seen you in some of those films. I even got quite the rise out of They Live. Yes, you have done quite well for yourself, Mr. President Piper. As a matter of fact, you may even one day go down as an all-time Hollywood great. Hmm. Maybe a great, but not the greatest. That title only belongs to one. Gold dust. So sit back, President Piper, and like the gentleman that you are, accept what is, simply as what is. That being your role as a World Wrestling Federation president, and merely my lowly, Extra when it comes to Tinseltown. Oh, by the way, maybe, just maybe, if you're a good little boy, I'll even treat you to a little something extra. Extreme stuff, please. start Raw on March the 4th with a match between Shawn Michaels and the 1-2-3 Kid. Nitro is preempted tonight so Raw has the floor. We get a picture-in-picture picture of Bret Hart watching from backstage. He politely praises Shawn's ability but says he's getting away with some stuff against the Kid that he wouldn't allow him to do to him. Bret says he doesn't have any animosity towards Shawn, he considers him a friend and fighting him is quote just part of the job. They're still talking about Michaels as a concussion, like it's a selling point and not a sign of how they treat their own talent. It's a nice match that ends with Sean superkicking Kid for the win. We get a promo from Goldust on the set of Piper's Pit. He's now feuding with Piper following the suspension of Razor Ramon. This is creepy Goldust. He compliments his kilt and his acting ability. He may be great, but he isn't the greatest. That title belongs to... Goldust. Another video package documenting the Ultimate Warrior's rise and the announcement that he will be returning at WrestleMania. We cut to commercial with someone asking, where's the Huckster? We see the Huckster with his hands draped over the top turnbuckle saying, somebody help me brother. This is a parody of course of what happened on Nitro last month. Roddy Piper phones in during a match between Justin Hawk, Bradshaw and Akushi. He calls Goldust a great athlete, but he's making a mistake if he wants to play mind games with Roddy Piper. Bradshaw wins it with a clothesline. After the match, Uncle, Uncle Zebakaya brands Hakushi with JHB initials. We get another Mankind promo. He says no one will have a nice day. You can buy a WrestleMania 12 padded steel chair for $79.95 plus shipping and handling. The main event sees Bret Hart facing off against Hunter Hearst Helmsley. Shawn Michaels walks out being matched with a chair, but he uses it to sit on to get a ringside view. The animosity builds with Brett wanting to know why Sean was out there. Brett eventually wins with a sharpshooter. Sean immediately walks to the back after the match, but not before giving Hart a standing ovation by the video wall. We start the latest billionaire tag segment with a message. 
The following satire is intended to entertain and inform. The quotes contained herein are actual quotes by the man who could control 50% of America's cable systems, Ted Turner. We join Ted and Candy on a TV tri- trivia quiz show. The round is pompous quotes pertaining to race and sexism. The presenter asks Nacho Man where the huckster is. We cut to him, who said he's tied himself up and now he can't get himself free. Segment ends with, with Turner saying, If you think I'm powerful now, wait until I get my hands on Time Warner. March the 11th brings us Savio Vega against the ringmaster, or, to give him his new moniker, Stone Cold Steve Austin. We see Olympic weightlifter Mark Henry sat in the crowd. The match ends in a countout, but the battle continues after the bell. The referee ends up pulling Austin off via his trunks. Austin does a backward roll, returns towards Vega and eats a big boot. They continue to brawl. Vega hits a wheel kick and sends Austin to the outside. We see footage of Mark Henry press, press slamming Jerry Lawler from earlier in the evening. You can buy one of 3,000 limited edition WrestleMania 12 denim jackets. These look hideous and come in at a hefty 68.95 plus shipping. Roddy Piper calls Goldust a transvestite during an in-ring promo. Piper says he's made 17 movies and he never saw Goldust in anything. Piper says, you know what you are, me, I'm a lesbian. Piper references Adrian O'Donis and Freddy Krueger. Goldust gets a bit weird. He starts stroking Piper, which clearly rattles him. He tries to get a view at Piper's kill, who resists. They exchange slaps. Piper says if he wants a fight, then that's what he's going to get. And you know what? I'm going to make a man out of you. We join Shawn Michaels in Texas. He introduces us to Jose Lothario. We see a training montage, including some punch bag work, a rope ladder and some weights. We then move to Calgary, Alberta. Brett says wrestling upbringing was focused on a much tougher style than Sean's. Brett calls Sean a tennis ball. He doesn't have any big moves apart from this big kick. The one thing that will ring through in this whole match, Shawn Michaels is good, but he is not the best. We join Scheme Gene in the Geriatric Control Centre. The Huckster versus the Nacho Man will be on the WrestleMania free-for-all. Even he can't figure out a way to make a buck on this one. He gets a breaking news memo. The match will have no handcuffs or ladies' shoes allowed at ringside. We cut to a training video of the Huckster. He does some squats, but his bones give out. He then pulls off two awful sit-ups, gets wiped out by a medicine ball, and needs some oxygen before walking out of the gym on a walking frame. Meanwhile, Nacho Man is getting his ball spot sprayed in. You can call the hotline on 1900 lying badly to find out whether there will be a nightfall this evening. Of all the billionaire Ted stuff they've done, this was by some distance the best one. We end with Yokozuna and The Undertaker against the British Bulldog and Owen Hart. Diesel is watching this match backstage on TV. Well, at least he was until he walked out early on. Diesel clotheslines Paul Bearer and lays in some punches. There's a great visual with Undertaker turning to Bearer on the ground, shot from by the video wall. Bearer giving an animated gesture, indicating Undertaker should go after it. Vader comes out and flattens Yokozuna, which causes a DQ in the main event. Ahmed Johnson isn't far behind to lay waste to Owen and Bulldog. Johnson hits a flying clothesline on Vader, taking him down. Jake Roberts comes out to even up the numbers, and we have a six-person brawl. Yokozuna gets to his feet and starts exchanging punches with Vader, which whips up the crowd. The ring ends full of WWF officials trying to quell the action 
in the end the heels just scarper right I've had about half of this TV review so far we're going to go back live to the show and discuss some of the things that happen along some of the things that happen from the rest of the month and then we'll come back and we'll cover the rest of the TV before Wrestlemania everything is big in Texas and that includes the dreams and aspirations of a favourite son the heartbreak kid Shawn Michaels it's my state it's my town and it's my dream Wrestlemania and a World Wrestling Federation Championship. And now I'd like you to meet my friend and my mentor, Super Sock Jose Lothario. Muchas gracias, Chan. Un cordial saludo a todos los fanáticos de la lucha libre. Un chamaco que he logrado conquistar, que va a luchar por el campeonato mundial. Welcome home, my friend. Thank you very much. At 19 years old, this man told me that he could make my dream a reality. If I just listened to everything that he had to say. Well, 11 years later, Jose Ethereo and the heartbreak kid Shawn Michaels are on the threshold of WrestleMania and the World Wrestling Federation Championship. It's going to happen, and this is where it all began. You're going to do it, my friend. Shawn has practiced the methods of his legendary mentor for over 11 years, and now he finds himself on the threshold of his lifelong dream. But I have to tell you, 11 years have gone by. Now, I know at 19, you had to say, you can do it. You know, you can be the World Wrestling Federation champion. But did you, I mean, did you really think I could? Of course, of course. Let me tell you why I, the reason I did it. Because, you know, when I saw the enthusiasm that you really had, and I put you to a real heavy training, hoping for you to give up. <laughs> but you never did. And that's why I said, this is going to make it. I mean, I'm still, I mean, I can't give up. I have to. I mean, you know how important. I don't want you to give up. Well, I'm not going to. Remember, you got a dream. That dream is better come true, my friend. Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Home to the WWF champion, Bret the Hitman Hart. Like the cold Canadian Rockies, Bret Hart is rugged, dangerous, and respected. Through the years, if you go back and look at the wrestling, where I grew up, the roots that I came from, it's a really hard, hard, tough style wrestling. I mean, it's tough. I don't think it was any tougher than it is right here. Uh, Sean's roots, you're talking about really a, a really sharp um, tie-in with uh, Mexican wrestling, and jumping and running and moving, a lot of action. But as far as being tough, I don't know of any really, really tough uh, Mexican wrestlers. When you talk tough, you're talking Stu Hart, Brett's father, mentor and master of the submission and this match submission at any time is going to be a factor and nobody knows submission wrestling in the wwf better than i do that's where Shawn michaels is going to find out that uh all these years of wrestling the experience that i have it doesn't compare with uh, the limited wrestling he's got you know he, he reminds me more of a tennis ball bouncing around in the ring but he doesn't really have any real effective moves he's got one is his big kick and the other is just the conditioning factor as an overall people actually believe that Shawn Michaels is the best wrestler in the whole World Wrestling Federation. Like he's the top one, better than I am. And that just drives me nuts. It just drives me nuts. It really comes right down to it. I know, and Shawn Michaels knows, that he can't lace my boots up. You know, all the critics and the people that have jumped onto the click bandwagon are gonna go, he's good, but he's not the best. That'll be the one thing that rings through this whole match, is that Shawn Michaels is very good, but he is not, and he never, ever will be the best. 
And we come back in after what is essentially the first half of the TV review. If you are here for WrestleMania, um, you probably might want to catch, if you do want to catch the end of the second half of the TV report, that will come at the end of this segment. I will mark in the TV, in the podcast notes, sorry, where the uh, WrestleMania review starts, and it won't be yet because it happens at the very end of March. Uh, we are going to discuss a few things that happened on TV in the lead up to the, uh, in the lead up to the pay-per-view. Um, Del, first of all, let's talk about these Bret Hart and, and Shawn Michaels Michael's trading packages and how yep. you felt the overall build from those two went. It's something you get more commonly in the boxing world, I would say, Bob. Um, there was a standout pay-per-view last year, the name of which escapes me for WCW, for then there's quite a lot of video packages. I think it might even have been last year's uncensored. Um, but it does help Biff, uh, give a big fight feel. Um, especially when it's not just happening on the night for kind of three or four minutes with a nice wee song playing over the, the background when you're building it up during the fall month. We obviously had the, the segment last month when it was announced. The fact that they followed up on it, I would say, wouldn't show a theory WCW, but I think it shows a, a sense of kind of commitment to competing with WCW. The fact that they're following up in segments. They're building up matches, they're leading into pay-per-views with strong bits like this, and it just gives you a bit of an overall kind of look at the the two fighters as well, and it kind of catches the eye a casual fan. I think overall they've done a brilliant job. But... Why? Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with uh, Dell on this one. Uh, it's giving it the you know the big match feel, and um, it wasn't just this. I thought that you know the start of the match, everything about it was 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 obviously big match main uh, event material. Um, you know, going back to the roots, obviously Bret Hart, we all know he's you know from with, training with his dad in in the dungeon and everything like that, and it was nice to to show show a different side of of, of Sean and you know the the, the Mexican um, well not upbringing, but obviously the the, the coaching he was having with. Uh, uh, Lothario and uh, you know it was you know and can't really knock it it was it was good for what it was and you know building everything up and it just put a different spin on things to what you're usually used to with WWF and you know maybe maybe we're seeing a new side to them you know we're coming into a new era with Shawn Michaels and, and maybe this is the route that we're going to be going with with you know the main events uh, yeah it's interesting I, I thought they were they got some of the way there, um, but I kind of don't think they went far enough. I kind of found it, um, the divergence quite interesting and that clearly they, they went off and with separate camera crews, one went to, you know, went with Brett to, to, to kind of follow him training, one went with Sean. And I don't know what they were telling them beforehand, but it's very clear that Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart have a very different impression of what building a matchup looks like. I mean, maybe it plays into Shawn's kind of demeanour as this quite arrogant, cocky character, both in the ring and outside of it. But the tape they got back from Sean was very much focused on Shawn Michaels. It was focused on Jose Lothario. It was focused on Shawn Michaels' dreams and his training, how hard he's working, etc., etc., and they got the tape back from Brett, and it was Brett talking about Sean. Uh, and there's there's nothing necessarily inherently wrong with either approach. It just didn't marry up very well side by side. It was it was odd in the sense that I felt like Brett was building up a match, and I felt like Sean was building up Sean Michaels. Um, and again, if if it had been all about Brett, and it was somewhat about Brett, but it was Brett also taking shots. I think it would have worked. It could also would have worked, but I think Sean would have been better off making some more points about Brett. But I guess Brett as the kind of half de facto heel or the guy kind of 
taking on that responsibility it makes more sense whereas Sean as the as the more babyface type character it maybe wouldn't have made so much sense taking shots at him um but Wayne while I have praise for what they did in those video packages I don't know that the mess they produced live on Raw was all that strong that main mess is too strong a word Wayne what do you think the the standoff in the ring. Um, well, just everything. remind me again. Sorry. I mean, oh, yeah. I mean, in terms of we haven't covered it yet in the TV report. You'll hear this after we discuss this. Um, but say the the angle with Shawn Michaels against Leaf Cassidy. Um, that match, I think, on the twenty fifth. I don't think you caught that, Wayne. But that kind of angle. And yeah, the, no, I did. Sorry. Where um, they obviously Shawn come down to to the ring and and, and obviously Brett was was on commentary. Uh, Sean was in the match against uh, Leaf Cassidy and then Brett kind of confronted Marty Jannetty at ringside and then Sean won the match and then Brett and Sean kind of got into a verbal argument at ringside. It all felt a bit flimsy. Yeah, no, I did. Sorry, I was I was getting mixed up with when Sean come down during the Hunter and, and, and Brett match and it was sat at the, uh, sat at the ringside. I uh, talk about that as well if you like, but just everything that we got kind of in, in, in the arena on Raw this month. Yeah, no, it was, like I said, it probably was a mess in that sense. It was obviously it, Sean coming down and when, when he was sat at the ringside, all that felt a bit awkward. He was just, you know, sat there watching him and nothing was really going on. And like you said, obviously right at the end of the, uh, the, the, you know, the match with Leaf Cassidy, it was just all seemed a bit, you know, false and, uh, and just, you know, like I said, a bit more awkward than anything. No. I think, kind of tying in with what the two of are saying, it kind of shows the benefit of Eden. Um A big concern for me this month, it's actually something we'll come to talk to after the second half of the, the news that you're going to take us through, Bob, the the stuff with the billionaire Ted, kind of almost blow off with that, with the match and the pre-show, um, where there was big concerns about that, how that would play out in front of a live crowd. They had the sense to, to edit that and pre-tape it. With the Sean and Brett video packages, they've done that brilliantly, but it's the risk that you take when you get the guys out there, especially when you're putting it in the, the kind of mixed atmosphere of having matches that you've already got a match on going, then you have to get the crowd to focus on Brett coming out to see the Sean match, Sean coming out to see the Brett match. You've then got the, the atmosphere kind of not knowing what Sean's doing. You've then got Brett on colour. It, it's kind of putting a lot of variables into the into the one kind of basket that it doesn't quite come off as well as it would have if it was more edited. But then at the same time, you want to build this up front of the live crowd. Gives you a sense of how the the audience is taken to these two guys. I thought they'd done pretty decent, but as you say, there certainly was some gaps in it. It's weird in the sense that they've got it right before. You go back to November of last year, they had that really, really good sit-down with Brett and Diesel in different studios near the split screen. Um, I, I remember praising them a lot for that in the sense that it was largely respectful and they built them both as baby faces, but it was very easy to pick sides because they were both coming from such different directions. That eight-minute segment probably did more than anything they did with Brett and Sean this month. I know there were... You know, Brett was... He got some of the way there. I mean, I don't know that, you know, I don't know that enough WWF fans are conditioned to think Shawn Michaels wrestles a Mexican style to the point where Bret Hart saying the Mexican style is a bit flashy is going to get over with anyone. Um, I don't know that Brett calling Shawn a tennis ball, which while I actually will give him credit is quite a good metaphor, didn't, I don't know whether that kind of thing works either. I don't know whether 
people look at Shawn Michaels' tennis ball qualities, qualities and see it as a strength rather than a weakness. Um, and yeah, it... We were discussing this last month, and I think we got to the end of that segment in the ring on Raw with Piper and with Vince and with Sean and Brett and said, okay, good start, but let's build the animosity over the course of the month. I don't think they did that. They, I'd say on, if I was going to score it out of 10, I'd probably give it a 6, um, probably more towards Brett, and I, I wonder whether that's Brett's experience, and, and also Brett's character, knowing that he had to build up Sean to a point where Sean didn't think so much to build up Brett. They did a good job. I, I, I don't think they did a great job. What exactly is your major malfunction, you fruitcake? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Whoa. You know, you come out here in something that looks like somebody shot the curtains at the day's end. You're making yourself some Phyllis Diller haircut you got on here. Oh. Coming out, painting up your face like you're looking like some kind of great transvestite. I'll tell you something. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. You must. You must be real proud of yourself, huh? I saw your movie. I saw all this stuff you've been talking about in Hollywood. You know something? I made 17 movies. I ain't never seen you by the catering truck. Nothing. One time maybe in a dark alley. How many quarters did you make? How proud of yourself can you be for that? You know what you're doing? You know what you're doing, Cream Pop? You're you're embarrassing me. You're coming to the WWF, and what you're trying to do is get attention. That's all you're trying to do. Don't let, don't let this guy fool you for a second. Don't let him fool you for a second. Mindless? Oh, mindless. I'll tell you. Yeah, mind games. I'm the one who dealt with Adrian Adonis. I beat him half to death Whoa. with a baseball bat. Whoa. Okay? These mind games that you are playing are not fooling me for one second. Because you know what? Only a great athlete could win the Intercontinental title. Only somebody that trained hard. And you think for once, hey, let's first of all, let's get our sexuality right. You are what you are. Me, I'm a lesbian, okay? I don't think anyone's sexual proclivity has anything at all to do with this. Hang on, hang on. You know what you're missing, mister? And you know what ticks me off the most about you? I saw you blowing the bagpipes. Hey, I don't have to worry about that. You'll never have that kind of talent. So that doesn't bother me. You know what really bothers me, though, is the pride that you don't have. Look around you, man. Look at those are kids down there. Those are adults up there. The Intercontinental is a very prestigious position. Something you should be proud of, but no. you got to make this big mockery come up against me so you can get yourself a little higher in the ratings, right? Are we playing mind games? Let me tell you something. You're messing with the wrong guy. You know what? Oh, oh. Not even Freddy Krueger comes into my nightmares. Let's deal in what we know, not in what we don't. Patriot Games, 1992. Yeah, good movie. 
You see, President Piper, I want a piece of you real bad, baby. And I know that you want a piece of me. <laughs> so quit pretending. Woo. I know all those Hollywood films that you've been in. Uh-oh. But see, you stray just a bit from reality. And I'm here to bring you down. Back down to earth. So, President Piper, please come, if you will, to my back lot. Because that's where I do my best work, and I know that you can do some of yours here, too, big boy. Barlena. You are so hot. And you know what? Let me say, in the meantime, let's just have a little sneak preview. I think we've had enough of This is too much. Whoa! Come on, Piper! Move on to discuss Roddy Piper and Gold Dust. Uh, Wayne, I think we'll hone in specifically on the in-ring segment. I think it was on the second show of the month uh, with Piper in the ring and Gold Dust trying to peer up Piper's kilt. Um, I thought Piper here was right on the money. Yeah, I, I think he's you know the perfect replacement for um, for Razor Ramon um, in in this feud. He's the, he's the one that's really sold it for me. Obviously, we know what he's like on the uh, uh, on on the stick, and you know he's he's the one that's really pushed this fight forward. And, and like I said, I think these two are probably a perfect match for him because uh, for all the creepiness that uh, that Goldust is, you know, Roddy Piper will just call him out on it. And uh, obviously, the segment with uh, we're obviously they're in the ring and and you know the the kill and uh, and everything like that, you know, just just played well in in this small mini feud that we've that we've picked up on yeah i i would agree in the sense that the the angle surrounding gold dust and razor ramon was Goldust fancies razor ramon the angle that they ended up with with gold dust and piper was that piper didn't think Goldust was a very good actor it kind of made a lot more sense given that piper's done a fair few movies down the years um and that kind of played into it and i think 
I don't know. I mean, there are stories that Razor wasn't especially all that enamoured by the storyline. Maybe Piper embraced it a bit more. But I think all the credit in the world to Piper for in the space of two, three weeks being able to take a, a programme that didn't really exist and turn it into something that people wanted to see. Dale, what did you think? Um, I pretty much agree, actually. Um, the last time is certainly that I remember seeing Roddy Piper in the build-up to a feud was the the kind of crowning of the new generation when it was him against Jerry Lawler and Piper was just kind of phoning it in, there was pre-tapes, there was almost as if it was handheld camera shots that he was selling that on, this he's been all in on it, obviously they've kind of had the, the storyline with Vader and Gorilla where Piper's come in, he's a temporary president I think whether that's gave him the onus to actually put a bit more effort in or if it's working with a younger guy like a, a Dustin Rhodes or a Gold Dust, it's kind of gave him the the owner's taking a step it up a bit, but I think is as much praise as there is for Piper. He's obviously one of the the kind of future stamped Hall of Famers with it. Doubt he's he's been equally matched in my opinion with Goldust. I think Goldust has done amazingly well as well. Um, I think if you're looking for a buy-in, a gimmick from a talent, you're going to have to look back to 1990 with the Undertaker. Um, I don't think there's I don't think there's anybody else that's been almost saddled with a gimmick that's just made as much out of it and as much as he's maybe put on a bit of weight, as much as there's a bit of a controversial feel to the character. I thought when he was coming in he was going to be a bit more like kind of Larry Poffo, just kind of playing up to being camp. He's kind of went almost more old school with it. Piper mentioned Adrian Adonis. I'd say he's more like Adrian Street. The way that he's pulling off this character in Piper was just the the perfect antagonist to that, where it's, I'm not buying into this bullshit, I'm here, I'm, I'm a wrestler, I'm, I'm a fighter, I'm gonna do what I can to put you in your place, boy. And I think the two of them just played off each other perfectly. Yeah, and, and, and we will discuss this more as we get, um, on, on onto their match or on the pay-per-view as well, but I think the, the, the best thing you can say about Piper is that he convincingly, in a, in a promo sense, knocked Goldust down, but in a literal sense, well, not in a literal sense, but in a, in another way that actually built Goldust up. Like his promo was, his promo was so good that he was able to get shots in on Goldust in a way that in, in a, in isolation, you think, oh, good shot. But when you look at the the program and the promo as a whole, and and the uh, and the promo that Goldust cut in, within Piper's pit the week before, you got to the end of the whole thing, and it's like Goldust took a beating and verbally and physically. Get to the end of it, he's more over. Um, and that's that's credit uh, credit in part to Goldust, who's playing a very good role. But credit, I think. In a bigger part, just a Piper, who's so good. Um, I won't say they've lucked in to Razor Ramon being suspended for a, for, for a drug test failure, um, but this this ended up far better than I think anyone could imagine. Kenny Loggins said it best. This is it. WrestleMania is just around the corner, and I can't wait. I can't believe this one, the Huckster and the Nacho Man. The WWF is going to give it away for free on the free-for-all. Hey, they might as well. Even I can't figure out a way to make a buck on this one. This just in, a stipulation has been added. No handcuffs or ladies' shoes will be allowed at ringside. Boy, that will surely handicap the intrigue in this one. I understand the Huckster's been training hard for this one. Let's take a look. 
What factor will Hare have in this matchup? We'll find out real soon. By the way, billionaire Ted will be the special guest referee for this match, if he can pull himself away from those FTC hearings, which, by the way, we will bring to you next week. Now, don't forget to call me on the hotline. Rumors are flying about the sun and the possibility of darkness tonight. Will there be nightfall? I can't tell you here on TV, but call my hotline for this exclusive information. And we move on to the final discussion point uh, ahead of uh, this month's pay-per-view. Uh, all things billionaire, Ted. Uh, Dal, mm. I, I, I'd, um, I want to start with the geriatric control centre. I mean, yeah. I, I've... I, I, we've been, we discussed this for the last couple of months, so I don't want to do too much on Billionaire Ted. I think they've, you know, clearly they had ulterior motives with this thing, and I don't know how well that stuck. They made an appeal on one of this month's show for, for WWF fans. If you share our concerns to write to the <laughs> STC, and I don't think many do, but I think in terms of their hits on WCW, in, in, in terms of all the segments, I thought Geriatric Control Center was more on point than anything else they've yeah. done. On the money. Um, absolutely. Do call 1-900-LYING-BALDY, by the way. Um, Lying-BALDY. 1-900-LYING-BALDY. Yeah. Um, I, I just... I think there was concerns, maybe earlier in the year, just where this was going... Um, there was the full kind of round table conference room, kind of smoky atmosphere and brother, brother and oh yeah. And it, it wasn't, it was kind of funny to watch. You'd seen it once, you'd seen it and you got another couple of follow ups. It didn't really go anywhere. And some, I don't know how they've managed to do it because I genuinely can't remember even in the last kind of four or five years. I genuinely can't remember any time when I've laughed out loud. But that's something that was intentionally comedy. Um, there's been a few instances in WCW, certainly by no means is there a shortage of them in part two of this month's show. Piper's um, had a few good lines in the last couple of months, to be fair. That's true, that's true, actually, to be fair. Um, but I, I just think this has been so good. And as you say, that, that geriatric control, control centre with, with Scheme Gene was just... I, I, they just seem to have nailed it and it, it is an easy target when you look down south there is kind of noticeable noticeable targets there where it is kind of it's easy shots to make but it's it's easy enough having those shots but actually hitting the target and as consistently as I'd say they've done this month I think hats off to the mic they've done brilliant Why? Yeah, I mean I, th- I think it was round about the Royal Rumble time when we first started covering these segments and, and I know I was, I, I was actually quite critical at the, uh, at the time. Um, but they have, they have turned me around, like, like Del says, you know, there's been quite a few of them where, uh, where I have actually laughed out loud. I think the one where it was the, uh, um, the game show one. Um, you know, it was, it was a bit of a, a bit of a, a lesson for me as well. There was a lot of things I didn't know about, uh, um, about Billy and Ted. Uh, and obviously, you know, some of those made me, uh, you know, quite ch- chuckle at the uh, at the same time as well. And yeah, this one, you know, like you said, it was, uh, um, you know, hit, hitting a home run with it. And um, they've, they've they've come on more uh, as the as the weeks have gone by, and 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 push the push the barriers a little bit more with what they've been saying and 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 what they've been getting away with. 
Will the sunshine bring nightfall? I can't tell you on TV, but call my hotline to Friday now. <laughs> that's so good. Like, forget everything else. That's so well done. Yeah, I mean, it, we'll, we'll, I'll tell you what, we'll, 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 we'll move on for the rest of the TV. I think we'll probably discuss it because we, the, I think what is the culmination of the billionaire Ted stuff is, is coming on the, uh, on the WrestleMania pre-show. So we'll cover that and then we'll probably have a quick wrap up of all of that. We open up Raw on March the 18th with footage of Diesel cutting loose at a house show with a steel chair, going after both The Undertaker and Shawn Michaels. We open with Jake the Snake Roberts against the British Bulldog. Roberts DDT's Bulldog, but Cornette pulls him off the pin. Apparently the ref didn't see it. Cornette's facial expressions when Roberts gets his snake out are great. All this is going on, Roberts ends up being counted out. Another set of training videos with Shawn and Brett. Brett says for the first time he feels there's some momentum going against him with some of the fans. Brett describes Sean as getting a little beating in Syracuse. It's a good thing to be confident, but to be irritating or cocky? Goldust comes out for his match wearing a kilt. They're even giving him entrance some special effects film and showing it in widescreen. Roddy Piper calls in during the fight and says he's the last guy he wants to face in a street fight at WrestleMania. Goldust makes like work of Fatu in his match. We get a video package showing the Ultimate Warrior. Unsurprisingly, the clip shows him pinning Randy Savage. We cut the footage from Superstars with Jake Roberts alongside Yokozuna and Ahmed Johnson laying down the six-man challenge. Back on Raw, we're in the ring with Cornette, Bulldog, Vader and Owen. Bulldog manages to call it the World Wrestling Foundation at one stage. Cornette says Yokozuna hired him because he couldn't speak for himself because he was a blithering idiot. Vader is going to be twice the champion you will ever will be. Challenge accepted what time is it it's vader time we cut to the video wall where we get promos from the baby faces apparently in the fine print if the faces win yokozuna gets five minutes in the ring with cornet cornet understandably isn't happy we see highlights from the nmsg house show the tag match between brett and the undertaker against diesel and sean diesel lays waste to brett and taker with a chair and then sean michaels as he is being helped to the back said I'm going to kick his seven-foot ass. Back on Raw, Diesel is facing Barry Horowitz. Paul Bearer wheels out a casket and lays it at ringside. Diesel beats Horowitz, then grabs a wrench from the timekeeper and appears, approaches the casket. He opens it, but inside is a fake Diesel. They cleverly intersected a, the live shot from the show with a shot of Diesel inside the casket earlier. Diesel looks freaked out. The main event is Brett against the tanker. The one, two, three kid walks out during his match, and my word is he skinny. Anyway, if it's illustrative of how they treat Brett, he only wins this via roll up after Tatanka leathers the kid by accident. We end the show with hearings at the Federal Turner Commission, the usual billionaire Ted stuff. He says, You want the truth, you can't handle the truth. Do you realise how many lives I've destroyed, how many companies I put out of business? Eventually, Turner admits he's trying to put the WWF out of business. A disclaimer runs at the end of the show, saying Turner will testify before the FTC this month, and that if it is approved, Turner would exercise significant control over 50% of the cable outlets in the US. They then said that if fans shared their concerns, they could write to the chairman of the FTC before listing his name and work address. We open up Raw on March the 25th with Shawn Michaels on his way to ringside with the click cam. We're in San Antonio as if Shawn needed a reason to get a great reaction anyway. 
Sean introduces Jose Lothario. He opens up against Lee Casty, who seems delighted to be wrestling Sean, as perhaps he should be. Brett walks out to ringside. Joey Lawler claims he left the lights on his car, so he scarpers. Casty catches Michaels on the run and drops him with a powerbomb that gets a gas from the crowd. Out now walks Casty's tag team partner, Marty Ginetti. Brett continues the narrative that Sean's wrestling style, while flashy, isn't tough. Michael's, uh, Marty Gennetti gets involved at ringside. Brett stares him down. Sean superkicks Casty and wins the match. He then immediately goes to ringside, seems to think it was Brett, which is a bit odd, uh, to have a heated exchange while Lothario breaks them up. Hunter Hearst Helmsley makes light work of Aldo Montoya. Ahead of the backlot brawl at WrestleMania, Goldust is on set with a mannequin dressed as Roddy Piper. Usual Goldust fodder this. He ends up smashing up the mannequin. Doc Hendricks is peddling personalised WrestleMania jackets. These can be yours for three easy monthly payments of $59.95. The first Raw in April will feature the debut of Mankind. We then get a promo segment from Paul Bearer chronicling the feud with Diesel. Undertaker says that when all is said and done, all that will be left at WrestleMania is the carcass of Big Daddy Cool. We get an extended video preview of Brett and Sean along similar lines to what we've seen for the rest of the month. Brett seems to be talking about Sean much more than Sean seems to be talking about Brett. The main event is Owen Hart against Ahmed Johnson. Johnson offers a test of strength that Owen can't reach. Johnson gets down on one knee but Owen just sucker punches him. This not surprisingly ends in a DQ when Bulldog attacks Johnson. Vader comes out for the three-on-one attack. Out comes Yokozuna and Jake Roberts. They run off the heels. And we end the show with a video package looking at Bret Hart. And we move on to our coverage of WrestleMania. We start on the free-for-all on the pre-show section prior to the show. Uh, Todd Pettengill opens up. He wanders into the arena. He asks the fans if they're ready for the Ultimate Warrior. We get fairly big cheers. Are they ready for the Iron Man match? Fewer cheers. Sonny comes out on the mic with Skip and Zip. Her voice is bloody annoying. And we come out to the opening match. It's the Body Donners, Skip and Zip, with Sonny versus the Godwins, Henry O. Godwin and Phineas I. Godwin. That's Hog and Pig for those counting. With, <laughs> hip, with, uh, with Hillbilly Jim. Almost as funny as High Knee on part two. Uh, anyway... Uh, Henry does a big back body drop on Skip, then a press slam on Zip. Phineas goes wildly swinging in the heel corner. Henry has to calm him down. Henry catapults Zip over the top to the outside, taking out Skip. The heels do a double-team slingshot suplex for a two. Henry plays the babyface in peril. The heels try a double-team splash with Skip flinging Zip uh, sorry, with Zip flinging Skip off the top rope. Phineas gets the hot tag. He goes for a slop drop. Sonny climbs on the apron and shows him her ass. One of the body donors gets a roll-up off of the distraction and wins the match. Sonny says to the camera as they're walking to the back, not only am I the best manager, but I've also got the best butt in the WWF. Wayne, any qualms about that? Cannot disagree. Thoughts on the match? Yeah, you know, I thought it was a real fun um, tag match, and uh, I'm not quite sure why they couldn't have had this on on the pay per view. I, I know that the um, you know trying to put a good match on uh, the free for all, but there's you know there's there's a whole host of uh, many of the wrestlers on a roster that they could have put into this position that would have been a fun little match and and have a title match uh, on. Uh, on, on, on the main the main show. Would you really promote this to the main show, really? I mean, I know it's a tag title match, but it wasn't that good. Well, I'm not... Yeah, it was a fun little tag match. I probably wouldn't have put it high up the card, but is it not the... Um, it's the final of a, of a knockout tournament for, for the tag team titles? 
it's not the worst match we're going to see this evening. No, but <laughs> let's say that. <laughs> um, I mean, like I said, it was, it was it was quite good. Again, the body gone is just like we 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 saw from them when the when they first the uh, smoking gums a couple a couple of months back. You know, ni- nice little tag team, um, got something going, good chemistry, um, you know, real good uh, double team moves, and um, yeah, that, as I said, it was uh, for, for you know full full little tag match. It, it was good. Del. Um, I agree with you to an extent, Bob, with the, the placement. It is good having this in a, on a free for all, but as Wayne says, it's this tag titles here that's meant to be a, a, a title that's prestigious. I think the, the issue that the Fed's got at the minute is just the lackey, the lackey star power, particularly in that division. Um, watching the free for all, yeah, it's good that you don't have to pay for it, but when you see, the body donors coming out, the Godwins coming out. Oh, this is this must be part of this tournament that they're holding for these tag titles. Then you work out that it's the final. It's like if these are like getting through three rounds of tag fights, who the hell was in the first round? Um, Sunny, I think's definitely coming on. I think she's got a lot about her. Bands of the year, I still think Yokozuna was robbed, but there's no accounting for taste. Um, it, it filled a spot. I thought they'd done all right. It's, it's something there just to warm up the crowd. This isn't going to appear on a, a 20, 30, 40 dollar pay per view. I thought it was placed well enough for the, for the combatants. I'd like to see the titles on the, the show when you're only really seeing the one title on the show. Um, with the exception of stunning Steve's million dollar belt, obviously, but, I think it's more an indictment of the lack of talent in that tag division, to be honest. Yeah, I don't think any of us would sit here and argue that a match between the Body Donners and the Godwins should be on WrestleMania. I think the only justification is that it's a it's a tag title match. So I think I will give them a pass on the placement. It does say a lot about their tag title division that it's so thin on the ground. I mean, when when ECW can have a tag title division that's far stronger than yours you've got some problems um and unlike say four or five months ago they are now miles behind the wcw tag title division as well um not great uh the only interesting thing of note was the the kind of reverse catapult sting shot from uh uh henry godwin to zip uh which sent uh, zip over the outside and took out skip that was quite a nice moment other than that not a lot of note um the crowd were dead for it really which for an opening match i know they need to be warmed up but i don't think they cared uh anyway we get some video packages previewing the ultimate warrior and the diesel undertaker match over him oh look at this he's having some difficulty getting a shirt off steam team and billionaire ted trying to rip that off yeah. look at look at the hunsters buddy i see i'll tell you what an improvement what the pharmacist gave him father time is taken away and that's uh wait let's go to billionaire ted you gotta buy him out Typical. Spare no expense to squash him like a bug. Heard that before. And may the best and highest paid wrestler win. Yeah. 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 All right, all right, yeah. Are you watching this? And we cut to the geriatric match. We're in a high school gym. As Dell said, this was, uh, this was pre-shot. There's probably about 60 people in attendance. Uh, Natural Man attempts to climb the turnbuckle, but cannot get even on the first one. A person facing the fans holds up a sign saying, cheer. And the three rows of fans <laughs> all do. They're noticeably all very old. The Huckster comes out on a Zimmer frame. Laura and King are doing the commentary. They fast forward to help Hogan to the ring, which I tell you, 
what I think about it, of all the things to mock somebody for taking ages to get to the ring, not something that you can easily hold up after what happened at WrestleMania. Uh, anyway, uh, Hogan gets tended to by uh, a medic uh, with some oxygen at ringside. They've got an ambulance parked on the aisleway. Uh, Hogan rolls Hogan rolls in under the bottom rope and Lawler nearly falls asleep. Hogan attempts to rip his shirt off, but he can't do it, so special guest referee Billionaire Ted and Scheme Gene help him do it. We get comments from Ted, who says, if you can't beat your opponents, you've got to buy them out. Spare no expense and squash them like a bug. Savage falls off the second rope again. The medic jumps in the ring, has to revive him. Nacho grabs a heeled shoe from a fan at ringside. Hogan knocks him over with a chair. Savage, uh, Nacho Man, sorry, knocks Hogan over with the shoe. They're both spark out. Billionaire Ted calls it a What's going yeah. to happen with your wrestling company now that both your top stars have, well, expired? Well, yeah, they, they can die all they want. I, I'm just buying more stars. All compassion, I don't know yeah. I make stars, so I have to buy stars. Listen, he's well, telling the truth. Oh, my goodness. Wait a minute. There's the FTC <laughs> man. <laughs> well, well, here's one star you yeah. may not be oh, able to buy. What is going on? <laughs> FTC? Another... They can die all they want, I'll just buy more. (laughs) Behind them on the ring steps up a guy covered completely in black with FTC written on his shirt, been in their Ted, looks around and collapses. Del Phyllis on this. Yeah, actually, you want to know what this is like, just listening to you read that. It's kind of like watching the airplane for the first time, but it's like there's that much in it you actually forget. And then even just listening to you read through, it's like, oh, I forgot that. I, I think that... They've genuinely nailed this. I don't think there's, I don't think there's anything that they could do to make this better. And as I say, coming in, I had concerns about this. You were saying the crowd was dead for the, the final of the tag tournament bracket. Um, I thought there was just going to be absolute crickets for this. Um, but they had the sense to pre-tape it. I thought the setting it was brilliant just in a high school gym. The kind of the end jokes that were there, whether it's the shoe or the FTC or Scheme Gene, it, it was just really the kind of way it was shot was a bit annoying with Vincent, with Vincent King. Kind of it was almost like watching a Cisco and Ebert review when they kind of parked it as if they're in a cinema watching it. It was a bit kind of hard to get into. Um, but apart from that, I thought they'd done so good, and it's you weren't expecting a match, and I think that's what the worry was going in. But it's like these two legitimate old guys, even more so possibly than than the real the real things. Um I, I just thought they'd done so good and as I say there was that that much buried in a, a little couple of minute segment. I just thought they absolutely nailed it start to finish. Del, is this the best built match of the night? Probably. It probably is. Um, it pro- when you think about it, it's been it's been built for three months. Yeah, they've been shown on TV every week. Yeah. Their characters we know about, their characters we recognise. The story yeah. has been very consistent. And genuine evolution, which you don't really see in the in the Fed much these days, as much as they've tried with Bet Sean. Worryingly, I would say you're probably right. Why? I think uh, you've you've hit the 
hit the nail on the head with uh, with everything you've said about this segment so far. Uh, well, all of them actually. Um, yeah, every, every, everything from start to finish. It, it probably has got the best build of uh, of the whole WrestleMania card, and it's uh, and it's not even on the main show. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean everything. The, you know the little uh, the little side notes that the uh, that they kept mentioning about you know little things. You know shoes in uh, being used in matches and handcuffs. It's just everything that we've that we've come to mourn about on uh, regarding WCW over the uh, um, well for as long as I've probably been on this show for. Um, and uh, yeah, they've, they've you know they've, they're probably signing off strong with the uh, with with the whole segment and um, with the way that it finished. But uh, yeah, they've, they've they've done really well with it. Yeah, I, I'll be honest. I was when this segment started, I was a bit uneasy. But the minute they cut to the bloke facing the fans and holding up the cheer sign, <laughs> I, I bought in at that moment. I went, yeah, yeah, I, I, this this is this is too good. Um, yeah, they did really well. I mean, I. I don't think it was a complete home run, you know, and there, there, there are negatives that we discussed before that I won't go over again, but in terms of the segment, they got more right than they got wrong. Um, the guy playing Billionaire Ted is so good. Um, just the, the, his demeanour is absolutely fantastic. They can die all they want, I'll just buy more. That's such a good line. Um, and then, yeah, as I say, the, the angle with the FTC bit at the end, yeah, I mean, they, 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 let's be honest, like, they got this right. I mean, if they'd have put this on the main show in front of the crowd, who knows how they'd have reacted. But they thought, you know what, let's do it right. We'll do it in a high school gym so we can mock how few people turn up to their shows. We, we can then have, you know, the old crowd sat in front of them. We can put the ambulance at ringside. I, I give this an 8 out of 10, this segment. I, you know, not Easy. Uh, not perfect, but the bit at the end where Ted turns around, sees the guy dressed as the FTC and then just collapses and they <laughs> kind of pan out a little bit and you just got all three guys spark out on the mat. Really, really well done. But Wayne, what does it say that this, I, I joke, it's probably the best built match on this show. It probably is. Yeah, it is. Like you said, I mean, you, you can't, uh, you can't disagree with the fact that they've, they've had the build from the Royal Rumble. In fact, I'm sure that the segment started... Started on the first Raw in January. It's been going for three months. So it was even before um, Shawn Michaels won the Royal Rumble. So, you know, if that's the main event that is in a a one-hour Ironman match and this has had bigger build in it, then uh, then questions have got to be asked. Yeah, I I think that, you know, if you were to take out all of the kind of political references and all the stuff where they're angling... I think there's enough in this where it kind of makes sense. There's enough jives at WCW. And don't, let, let's be clear, WCW have not helped themselves in this regard. The stuff with the high-heeled shoes, the stuff with Hulk Hogan having to handcuff himself to the turnbuckle to get an angle over. Um, they've not helped themselves. But I, I think the more, the more you break this down in terms of the jives at WCW have worked really well. I don't know whether the FTC stuff has worked and I don't know whether the stuff looking you know, as reflected well on them in terms of the stuff about the steroids the stuff that's not going to reflect well when Diesel and Razor Ramon rock up on Nitro in a couple of months time you know I don't know that that's worked well but their shots at WCW have been on point um, the geriatric control centre was really good the guy playing billionaire Ted was really good how people are going to remember this I think they're going to remember the line about Turner buying talent 
I think they're going to remember the line from probably the second week in January where Turner says, I don't create, I don't said it here as well, but Turner says, I don't need to create talent, I'll just buy it. Yes. In the case of Diesel and Razor Ramon, that's exactly what happened. And that's the kind of weird flip side of all this. The, uh, the idea behind this has been to damage WCW. And yet, if anything, it's just pointing out to WWS fans that one, WCW exists. Two, they've still got Hulk Hogan and Randy Savage. And three, that's the place where WWS biggest stars go and become bigger. Like, that's the... That's probably the end game. But anyway, we, we move on and we end the show with a lot of video packages uh, from Sean and Brett, along with highlights from the Slammy Awards, I think it was from the previous night, I think. Um, and Del, uh, you can kick us off with your results for WrestleMania 12. Yep, flying off, Bob, we've got Camp Carnet, which was the team of Vader, Owen Hart and the British Bulldog. They defeated Ahmed Johnson, Jake the Snake Roberts and Yoko Zuna. We then cut to at least part one of the Hollywood Backlot Brawl, which eventually finishes in an old contest, and that was between Roddy Piper and Goldust. Then the Million Dollar Champion, Stone Cold Steve Austin, he defeated Savio Vega, the returning Ultimate Warrior, defeated Hunter Hearst Helmsley, The Undertaker defeated Diesel, and in the main event, Shawn Michaels fought Bret Hart to a draw, and then in sudden death over time, Shawn overcame Bret to win the WWF World Heavyweight Championship. Wayne, what do you think of this show? I... I enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. Um, you know, there was probably maybe one match that was um, uh, that wasn't up to up to scratch. But you know, I, I really, I mean, the, the main event we'll we'll get to, and you know, we'll probably uh, dissect it in uh, in more ways than one. But uh, um, I thought there was a lot of fun matches on on the card, and um, you know, a nice little uh, ending to, uh, to to WrestleMania as well. Don't. I don't know what it says about next year, Bob, because in the last kind of four or five years, WWF seem to have kind of created almost this habit of even numbers are good. WrestleMania's odd numbers aren't they so good. With last year, which wasn't up to much, this was certainly better than that. Ten was really good, nine was really bad, and eight was really good. So I don't know what it says about 13. Um, this was legitimately probably the easiest to watch. WWF pay-per-view I have seen in a long time. The first half went rapidly. The main event, I think there's been some kind of mixed reviews. I think some people could kind of say that it maybe dragged a bit, but it's something that I've personally never seen before, certainly in this company. I thought that they had done it well. There was some matches in the middle that was quick. I thought done their job. I thought the the full thing was really really good. I think if you analyse this show just from a from a perspective that we we kind of probably would be I don't want to say a bit below us. That's a bit arrogant but if you analyze this show just from a casual fan watching a, a three-hour wrestling show i think you say good show um yeah. in that the guys you know there was enough on the show in the first hour and a bit to keep you interested even though it kind of went up and down and the main event was interesting enough i think when you put it on the kind of level that we'll pick it apart at it falls down a bit like in terms of the star power the placement of some of these guys the fact that there's a good case to say that the two most popular well, two of the top four in fact three of probably the five most popular guys on the show are guys that were around in the 80s um which isn't great um and then it's the main event and the main event really is the show um, in the sense that I, I think by the end of it, I don't know you're remembering much else of the show itself. And 
the main event, really, if you like the main event, you like the show, I, I judging by the response in terms of the people in the arena, I don't know that everybody did. Um, but we'll discuss the main event later on. We open up with a pyro display. Vince McMahon and Jared and the King Lawler have the call. And it's Vader, the British Bulldog and Owen Hart, with Jim Cornette versus Yokozuna, Jet Snake Roberts and Ahmed Johnson. The stipulation of the match is is that if the babyface team can win the match, Yokozuna will get five minutes in the ring with Jim Cornette afterwards. Uh, in my notes, I've got Davey Boy Smith seeming a little bit leaner than usual. Del, was that just me? That, that must just be a coincidence. Maybe changed his diet or something. It's certainly nothing to do with Dr. George Zahorian. Maybe not. Uh, but he did seem thinner than like a couple of months ago. Maybe it was just the, the wider angle, but anyway. Wider uh, angle, plus he has had a haircut, to be fair. That so. true, that too as well. Uh, we start with all six men going at it. Vader goes for a clothesline. Yokozuna ducks and sends Vader to the bat and then to the outside. Ahmed Johnson goes for a flip dive over the top onto Vader. Owen tags in, runs at Yokozuna's back elbow. Vader tags back in and unleashes some Vader strikes on Yokozuna that send him collapsing to the mat. Yokozuna ducks a right hand and sends Vader to the mat with a one-arm slam. Ahmed Johnson tags in and takes out both Owen and Bulldog, the latter with a big scoop slam. Ahmed sets for a Pearl River plunge on Davey, but Owen flings himself off of the top turnbuckle with a big drop kick to break it up. Jake Roberts tags in and levels Owen before taking Bulldog off of the apron. He signals to the DDT, which fires up the crowd, but Owen escapes. Robert charges at Owen in the corner, but meets a big knee. Vader hits a running splash on Roberts, then levels him with a right. Owen drops an elbow from the top for a two. Bulldog follows that with a running power slam for a two. Yokozuna gets a tag in on Roberts and goes after Vader, hitting him with a load of punches in the corner that eventually sees Vader hit the mat. The crowd get whipped up during that one. Yokozuna hits a Samoan drop on Bulldog The ring clears Roberts DDTs Owen Roberts low, uh, Roberts low blows Cornet Who approaches him with a tennis racket Roberts sets the DDT Cornet Vader runs Roberts over Then hits a Vader bomb on Roberts For the win Wayne what do you think? Yeah, I thought it was uh, it was a really good opener. Um, you know, he give a lot of uh, a lot of shine to some of the limited uh, guys in in there as well. Um, you know, I can't really um, can't really argue with with the match that they put on. You know, they was all given a bit of time, and and you can tell that they was all given time because we we saw all three baby faces get get a hot, a hot tag each. So uh, you know, that was um, it was nice to nice to see as well. The 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 Really impressed with the, uh, with, with the stable, uh, that they've got there now. Camp Cornet, obviously we've got, uh, uh, this match itself has obviously kept, uh, kept Vader hot. Uh, I'm not sure if it's going to keep the angle going. I'm, I'm not quite sure, but um, it's good. It's definitely keeping Vader hot, and you know, with the purring of um, Owen and, and, and Bulldog, which is uh, you know, really good dynamic between the two. And then you know, you've got your main event heel um, with, uh, with with Vader, and you know, the way that uh, you know they've, they've built him you, you, and Diesel going, and um, Bret Hart taking time off. You know, we're probably looking at Shawn Michaels is. Um, you know, first man, um, first man heel opponent. The only, the only thing I'd be saying about this match more than anything is, uh, is, is Ahmed Johnson once again. We covered him off in the Royal Rumble and, you know, speaking about him, we were saying that, you know, he's, he's still really, really green in the ring. I thought this would have probably been, uh, better suited for him. And, and in a way it was, as I said, you know, it did give him a bit of shine when he, uh, when he got his, uh, hot tag and he was coming in clearing house. But just simple things again. I mean, you know, high spots, that move when he jumped over the rope, uh, I think it was Vader on the outside. Again, I thought he was going to land on his head. 
you know, you, you know, you've got to cut all those kind of uh, high spots out, and and the ring awareness as well, uh, and, and match awareness. I think Yoko Zuna was there was one minute when when he cleared house, and then Emma Johnson was stood at the side of him, and then just gave Bulldog a, a body slam, and then just went out. It was you know all a bit weird. It was like you know think, simple things like that. He probably needs to cut out if they are wanting to push him into this star that they that they are looking to. No. I don't want to overstate this, Bob, because it was certainly far away for a five-star match, but there's a very strong argument this was the perfect opener for this card, and it was almost the perfect kind of match-up between these two teams. You've got this kind of just despicable prick in Jim Carnett, and he plays it to perfection. He's just rounding up these big guys to protect them. Um, You've then got a team... With Mr. Fuji, where everybody's kind of got a weakness, but the weakness I thought was hit very well. Ahmed Johnson, as Wayne says, is pretty, pretty fresh at the, fresh at the gates. As a look, he's phenomenal. He's a tank. He's in there with Davy Boy Smith, and he just dwarfs him, in my opinion. Um, Jake is one of my favourite wrestlers of all time. He's still to this day, and I very much doubt in the near future it'll be better. Does his promo, his psychology, he's shit hot, but he's getting all a bit long in the tooth. He can't quite pull off the, the kind of matches that he was doing before. They had that very well. Yokozuna's got the best facials going that I've seen for a while. He just sells a reaction brilliantly. Doesn't he quite work as well as a, a good guy, as it does a bad guy, but again, his kind of weakness there is fitness. He wasn't overexposed in it. Owen and Davy Boy have just got total chops for a tag team run. That's certainly something that could beef up their tag division. And as you say, Vader's just the best big man in the world now for me. Um, I thought it was a really good match. There wasn't a, wasn't a lot of bells and whistles on it, but what they did do, I thought they'd done very, very well. Yeah, um, very good match. I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't disagree with what you say, although to say that while it was, while it was probably all full of positives, it probably wasn't quite as good as, a, as three glowing references would necessarily suggest. Um, but in the sense that, there is no individual combination of two guys in this match that probably would have had a more interesting match than the bout we got. It was a big tick. Um, if anything, I think the only major negative was what they packed in so much relative star power into the opening match that they kind of could have done with a bit of it down the road. Um, in that there were guys here that people were reacting to that they probably, probably could have done with in other matches. And when you break it down, the crowd were really reacting for two things. One, they were reacting for Jake Roberts, which makes sense. And the other thing they were reacting to, which is interesting, was Vader and Yokozuna. The, the kind of couple of square offs and, and battles those two had during the matches were, during the match was, was very well received. Other than that, I think it was guys that they're somewhat interested in, in small enough bursts where it was entertaining without dragging. I think Wayne makes a good point about Ahmed Johnson. This was a really good spot for him. It was a good spot for Jake Roberts. Jake Roberts couldn't have been in a in a singles match on this show. Got away with it, I don't think. Um, 
but as it was, it was, yeah, in many ways, the perfect opener. As I say, the criticism probably is, is that we didn't get Vader later on the show. We perhaps could have done with an Owen Hart match later on in the show, um, or, or well, later on, kind of in, in the first half, really. Um, but yeah, like, I, I think three, three, you know, six collective thumbs up from us three on that one. Uh, we go out to the parking lot for a brawl between the, sorry, the back lot for a brawl between Piper and Gold Dust. A gold car comes onto the set. Piper sprays it with a hose, then smashes it in the windows with a baseball bat. Piper hits Goldust with the bat a few times, then a bin inexplicably full of shredded paper. Piper then sprays him with the hose, then slams his head onto the bonnet. He tries a body slam, but only just gets Goldust up. Goldust gets a low blow in, jumps in the car and attempts to drive off. He drives at Piper. Piper falls onto the hood of the car and gets driven down the lot before falling off. Goldust flees. Piper climbs into a van and goes off in pursuit. Uh, Dal, if we're going to cause the first half of this match, what do you think? It's a street fight and Roddy Piper is wearing street clothes. That's going to sound a really daft comment, but it just makes a world of difference. And again, what we were saying earlier on about his, his kind of part in this full feud, you buy into it. You, it makes sense. You believe him. And it, it, I, I, this was ridiculous. You get gold dust turning up my gold Cadillac. You get... Roddy Piper spraying it with a hose as if that's going to hurt gold dust. I can see it if he was driving and he might crash, but he was stationary. Um, it, it was absolutely ridiculous, but sublimely ridiculous. I thought even the bat where, where gold dust runs him over in the car, the, the bit with the bat and smashing the windows, just the, just the real feel of it. Just, I, I don't really know how it's, it was just, I thought this was brilliant. I really did, Bob. Why? No, I totally agree. I thought it was a great setup for uh, for what was an, entertain, an entertaining night for uh, um, for for these two uh, with what we what we got in uh, got in store. Um, my only concern is is uh, um, you know I'm not really sure if uh, if Goldust was was really up for uh, for this match considering the the repercussions of his last match that uh, you know entailed a, a moving vehicle. Uh, and, and what come after? <laughs> um, so, um, so yeah, I was, uh, you know, I was a bit shocked that uh, that he decided to uh, to to take it onto the road. Um, but yeah, no, like like Del says, uh, Roddy Piper, you know, he's a believable character uh, in this role. And you know, if he says that he's going out there for a street fight, you know, damn well he's he's going to be going out there with, uh, um, you know, with with his, with his bat to hand, um, swinging swinging it around like like he was. And you know, some some of those shots he was doing with 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 the bat was. Uh, um, you know, it was quite scary. I thought he took his head off at, at one point, but yeah, m- massive thumbs up for me on this because uh, you know it, it um, the, you know they really played well with it. Um, um, and you know, like I said, we'll obviously we'll cover more off later. Yeah, I think the major concern would have been how they received this in the arena. Obviously, something taped. Yeah, I was actually checked the day before, I think, but apparently it was one of the most over things on the entire show, um, which is a testimony in part to Piper, even though it was essentially played on the video wall. Um, yeah, uh, very good. Uh, both guys have a lot of credit. I mean, it, it, maybe it was a bit one-sided, but, you know, given the way, given what happened, it's very memorable. I mean, I think that's, that's the thing. I mean, perhaps I, perhaps I overdid it saying, you know, you, you'd end the show and just remember the main event. Um, I think anything involving Piper, you'd be on top of. It was really well done. Uh, quite where they got a crowd for it for. I'm not sure, but they had a few people there kind of watching along. It's a Hollywood bike lot prop. Yeah, they were out there having they were out there at the, the catering stand having lunch. Um, but yeah, um, quite where they got a hose from as well. Fire hydrant. They're shooting a fire movie. 
you've got some good answers to argue that. I have uh, got the corners covered in this, Bob. Yeah, no, very, very well done. Um, I, yeah, but my only major concern was, well, concern observation was, was Piper having been run over. The car <laughs> speeds off. Piper gets up, runs a good distance to get into, I don't know, his, his SUV or whatever you'd call it. And then we, you know, in the 60 seconds all of this happens, apparently Piper was able to follow Goldust Trail, and we will, we'll pick up on that in a bit. And we move on next to Stone Cold, Steve Austin, with Ted DiBiase versus Savio Vega. They basically just called him Stone Cold Steve Austin. They haven't really explained it. Apparently he's got a Stone Cold demeanour for what that's worth. The beef for this feud apparently was the breakup of Austin and Vega's wildcard tag team in the tournament that aired on Superstars, where Austin cost him and Vega the match. That was it. Austin attacks Vega as he gets into the ring. It spills to the outside, but Austin regains control, driving Vega's uh, Vega shoulder first into the ring post Austin starts working the arm but Vega flips out of it hits a spin kick we get joined by Roddy Piper on the phone we can hear sirens in the background Austin goes back to the arm as we settle in for a rest hold we join Piper again on the phone this time he says he doesn't care if he's headed to Tijuana he's getting gold dust Austin hits a third press almost inadvertently gets a three Vega goes for a pin for his own for a two we now draw an aerial footage. Yes, they've actually got a helicopter on this. Piper is being tailed by four, yes, four police cars. Vader go- Vega goes for a splash, but Austin gets his knees up. Vega nearly sneaks it with a small package. Austin goes to the top, but only gets met by the extended boot of Vega. Vega knocks down Austin a few times, and Austin does a wheel kick, and Vega takes down the ref. DBRC puts the million dollar title on the apron. Austin shakes the million dollar dream submission, but Vega evades it. Austin hits Vega with the million dollar title and a second shot while he's lying on the apron. The referee is selling it like he's been shot. Austin goes for a chokehold. The referee, a DBRC revives the referee with some water. The crowd are dead silent for this. The referee comes to and Austin is awarded the match after Vega passes out. Wayne. It wasn't an awful match. It was, you know, probably something that you'd see on a, on a TV show, uh, you know, a, a raw or uh, superstars or something like that. Um, it was, uh, it was probably Austin carrying most of the match as well. It was probably, um, there as a showcase to, um, sh- you know, let us have a, have an outlook of his, of his new demeanor, his new character, etc. Uh, but unfortunately the match was probably overshadowed by the, uh, the updates of the, uh, Roddy, which I didn't mind. I'll, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll be open and honest. I didn't mind these updates because I found them quite, uh, quite funny, but unfortunately it just overshadowed the, uh, um, the match as a whole. No. Bob, I don't know if you've picked up from my accent, but I'm not American. Yeah. I don't know if Funny enough, that's Del. 18 months doing the show I hadn't, but carry I on. I swear to God, I'm not American. I don't know if there's only three phone lines in America. There seems to be the Bart phone. There seems to be Scheme Jeans Hotline, and there seems to be the phone that Roddy Piper always phones to Vince McMahon at the commentary desk. I don't quite know how he did. He done it last year in the build up to King of the Ring, because quite frankly, well, two years ago at King of the Ring, because he couldn't be bothered turning up. He's now doing it again. I don't know how he seems to do this, but fair play to him, especially for a rapidly moving car, although there's been rumours that that might be Dr. Footage or at least replayed footage. Um, I didn't think this match was as bad. I don't know whether I'm just on the Kool-Aid for this, but I'm really enjoying this show so far. 
Um, the Steve Austin thing, it, it kind of confuses me at the minute because I really like this kind of stone cold thing. I, I, you can see he's got this kind of stone cold demeanour. He's, can he's you, grimacing. Uh, uh, can you see anything? I, I don't know. I, I, I really want to because I like I liked Stunning Steve back in the day. I really liked that, albeit brief, kind of interception almost to Steve Austin that we've seen in, in Philly. Um, this is a bit straight. There's, there's evolution going on here. I don't know whether it's going to have an end goal, but he came in with a buzz cut. It's a way skinhead now. He came in with the white boots there away. It's just black tights, black boots, no frills. I, I like this demeanour with the stone cold attitude coming to the ring, just scowling at the camera, scowling at the crowd. Being that he's stone cold and he's not really talking, it makes sense for him to have Ted DiBiase. I don't know how long the legs are on that. And then especially when you see, can I, the, the, the highlight of Steve Austin in the last five years, was the month that he spent at ECW when he was actually showing character for the first time in years. But then as soon as he's came into New York, that's away. It's I, I don't quite get that. Um I don't know whether maybe some people that didn't like us maybe just did a bit of a bee in their bonnet still because they're still hung over for seeing Savio Vega four times last June. Um I thought this was pretty decent. It was never going to be a... It was never going to be a reason for folk to buy tickets to go and see this, but I, I thought they'd done pretty well. It was pretty stiff. I, I must pull you up, Bob, to be honest. You did undersell that that ref bump. God love Timmy White. It wasn't even water that revived him with DBRC. It was a soda complete with ice, which just wrapped him round the face, and he no sold the hell out of it. God love him. Well, okay. Um... This is not as bad as Diamond Dallas Page and the Booty Man from Part Two, but this <laughs> is, this is a bad match. I mean, I'm, I'm I'm surprised that you two, even you didn't give it a glowing reference, but I'm surprised you talked about as much as you did. I mean, nobody cared. I mean, you know, okay, to a point, you, you, you're you're having a match which is being interspersed with with you know cut-ins from Roddy Piper. We'll discuss those probably when we get to the second half of the Piper match. Um, but what a match to have second up on WrestleMania. Nobody gave a fuck. You know, and it's an Austin character that's three months into his run that we, we've barely seen anything of on TV other than in matches. We haven't heard from him at all, which, you know, you look at Austin in three months in ECW. Come on, guys, we can learn something. This guy can talk better than he can wrestle. Um, and nobody cares about Vega. Um, and it was kind of one of the things that ran throughout the show was there were a lot of guys in this show that had just come on the roster, or it felt like it. Um, in fact, maybe there wasn't. Um, yeah, I suppose maybe you include the guys on the pre-show, maybe not on the main show itself. Match just didn't work, I don't think. Nobody cared, there's nothing on it. Um, and it's kind of a bit like, you know, if you want to make Austin this player you want to make austin number two number three number four heel maybe why isn't he just beating savio vega it's like what i said about hunter herself last month just beat the guy i know wf is a promotion where baby heels rarely win clean this is the time to do it um and again the problem is that people don't care enough about vega so they don't care enough about austin um the match didn't work the the finish was bad nobody cared um 
let's move on. Uh, we join aerial footage of Piper being driven down a freeway. Mr. Perfect is backstage with Diesel. Diesel says he's taking care of Undertaker tonight. Then he wishes Sean good luck. He's coming for him next. Hunter Hurst tells he's out with a woman by his side. I'll, I'll tie that, that story up a bit in a minute. Uh, he's facing the ultimate warrior. We get the director's cut of Helmsley's entrance. That was a long one. Uh, no fast-forwarding through this. Warrior's music hits through a big pop from the crowd. We get some warrior-shaped pyro, and he charges down to the ring. Warrior's total entrance is even longer than Hunter's. We start the match out at a pace. Hunter hits a pedigree almost straight away. Warrior pops straight back up and, sta- and starts showboating, hitting three clotheslines. He knows sold that whole thing. He bounces off of the ropes with a flying shoulder tackle, does his arm-raising pose, hits a press slam, then goes for a splash and pits, picks up the win. Dell. I'm trying to think of manoeuvres in this business, Bob. There's Stevie Richards' super kick. There's Ric Flair's figure four. There's, to a lesser extent, Taker's tombstone. I, I genuinely don't think there's a more over move in this business today than Hunter Helmsley's pedigree. And Jim Helwig, I've defended a lot in my time as a wrestling fan. There was the full issue with the, the kind of walkout and the holding up Vince. There was a, a, a bit of a bitter feeling there for a while. There was rumours that he was going to WCW. Unfortunately, we got the fucking renegade. But I, I, I don't... I can see the reason why they've done it. Because the Warriors back. They want to make an impact. You're going to get very, very few more dislikable people than Hunter Helmsley. I can see the reason they've done it. But I just didn't like the start of this with that pedigree. And then the absolute no-sell. For Warrior, um, I can see why. As I say, it, it, it was only a ninety-second, two-minute max tops. Um, the Warriors back. He got the pop at the start with Pettingill. God love him. He was out trying to get a rise out of that crowd, and the only thing it could do it was dropping Jim Helwig's name. Um, I, I, I don't know. He's back. It's nice to see him. Thankfully, it wasn't a four hundred pound with a buzz cut like Jerry was trying to tell us. Um, the full pyro, I think, was a really nice touch to actually make it feel like a big deal. I'd, I just think they could have went about this in a better way to make Warrior look as big as he did in this, but without killing that, that movie, Helmsley's. Why? Yeah, I think the only, the only good thing I can probably say about it is that, uh, Hunter, you know, actually got some offense in. Um, that was uh, that was probably it, and the match itself was was dire. But yeah, obviously from from what Dell was just saying there on on Warrior, it was you know about three and a half years since we've since we've last seen him. So it was you know it's really nice to to see him back. Uh, they've made a big deal about it. The crowd was super hot for his uh, for his return and, and and when he was getting his comeback. Um, but the only um the only thing that is is in my back of my mind is is where do they go from here? Because you know they've been making a big deal about uh, about. Hogan and, and, and Macho Man in these uh, in these billionaire tag segments is what do they do with Ultimate Warrior now? Um, are they going to put him in the in the main event stairs? Because I think that'll just like how I feel about Hogan will get you know very you know very boring very quickly and uh, and I'll soon be switching switching off on uh, anything Warrior related because the the problem with Warrior uh, in his last run, especially when he held the title, was he could never put a good match together. 
And if they're going to be doing the same again with him, um, I just can't see uh, can't see it coming coming good. Uh, in all honesty, especially you know the men are coming in with this new phrase, the new generation, and you know the bringing you know the bringing warrior back. And as I said, that's that's Paper. my only concern. Well, I mean, to be fair, Piper is yeah, I, I agree with that one, and especially when we saw the King of the Ring a few years back when he had the match with uh, with Jerry Lawler, it was like, what is going on here? But I, I'm 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 going to give thumbs up on on the Piper one because uh, I think he's slotted into a role that was left there by by Razor, and that's the only reason he's he's got he's he's gone into into that role. Whereas Warrior, the Luke Robots. Yeah, more. There's, there's, <laughs> they just keep, keep cropping them up. You're on, you're on fire tonight, Del, aren't you? <laughs> Answers. But the, 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 well, on 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 the on the um, Jay Roberts one, you know, he's he's in little, he's in an opener in a in a six month tag. Um, they're you know they're in a roster that's uh, um, that's that's lacking depth. Where you know, so that's that's not a concern on on that sense. It's more the fact of of Warrior coming in and are they going to be pushing him as as, as big as they did uh, the last time he was on his uh, on his run? And, and that's my only concern. I think it's less the fact that these guys are on the show, more the fact they're still more popular than ninety five percent of the guys they've got on mm. the full time roster. That's probably a bigger issue. Um, yeah, all a bit odd. Um, you know, they, we, we read comments about them trying to turn Hunter Hurst into Ric Flair. I don't know that Ric Flair is losing a match against the Ultimate Warrior at any stage of his career in two minutes. Um, I don't know that equally that a Ric Flair would lose any kind of match with Duke the Dumpster Druzy either, um, for, from the last couple of months. Yeah, all a bit bizarre. I mean, you could have really put anyone in this spot. You probably wouldn't even have to have announced Warrior's opponent. You could have just said he's going to have a match at WrestleMania. Could have been anybody you like. Just have him do his signature stuff, get in, get out, do the match. All a bit weird. Um, Warrior kicking out of his finish is bizarre. Really bizarre. Um, because it was more bizarre in the sense that the crowd were clearly very... Cl- yeah, very happy to see Warrior. So when Hunter hits the pedigree, they're kind of a bit like, oh, is he losing? And then it's not, it's not even like he kicks out, he just stood up and the crowd mm, pops again. It's not even again. the kicker, he never even got down to do the pen, man. Um, and then, yeah, he just goes to the finish. All very odd. I can't work any of this out. Surprises here in the World Wrestling Federation, a wild night to say the least, but maybe even more wild. Ladies and gentlemen, a new superstar in the World Wrestling Federation. I'd like you to meet the wild man, Mark Morrow, ladies and gentlemen. He is in the World Wrestling Federation. I have arrived. I have arrived. It's been five long years that I've been waiting to come to the World Wrestling Federation. And today is the day that I have arrived. And what better day than on the Super Bowl of sports entertainment? Well, let me ask you something, wild man. The uh, the quality that you're going to be facing, the ultimate warrior, the undertaker, Shawn Michaels, Brett the Hitman Hart, are you up to the challenge? Look into these eyes. Look into these eyes. The fire that burns in these eyes and the wildness that burns in my soul. I put an interview here. Todd Pettengill is backstage and he introduces Johnny B. Bad. Well, there we go. That's a nice surprise. He's now going. Oh, well, that's a- that now he's now going by the moniker of Wildman Mark Mero. Uh, Mero cuts, starts cutting a promo. Hunter herself interrupts them uh, with the woman uh, his side who accompanied him to the match, and the two ended up brawling. The reason I bring up the woman who accompanied him to the match is that Dave Meltzer reckoned the woman was Mark Mero's wife. Um, quite why 
Well, basically, in the sense that they're going to try and plug Mark Merrow into the same program he was having with John B. Balagate's Darwin Dallas Page, except the fact that, at least with Page, it was Page's actual wife, and now it's his wife. I don't know how that bit makes sense. Why? What, what do you think of, uh, well, Merrow, as we now got to call him? Um, I thought it was quite good. Yeah, no, I thought it was uh, it was a good way to bring him in. I was, you know, I was quite surprised to to see him so soon, um, and and obviously just uh, just the the bat segment with uh, with Hunter ourselves me has got me uh, um, has got me excited to the you know what what's going to be next for, uh, for for the both of them. So uh, yeah, no, I'm uh, eagerly anticipating to to see what's uh, how what kind of character they're gonna they're gonna do uh, with um, with him. I mean, we've uh, you know, we're probably going to uh, speak about it. So, uh, you know, on, on, on volume two, but yeah, just um, anticipating to see what uh, what route they go down with it. What about Mark Marrowdale? Hmm, it's I don't know. As, as Wayne said, I think I'm, I'll leave it a wee bit just to see what the what the character is. Um, I don't I don't like that. Vince is getting better at the guys that he's bringing in. We don't have the gun. We don't have Mantor. We don't have Man Mountain Rock, but he's still got an element of this cartoonisation there. Um, whether it's Stone Cold and he's just looks Stone Cold, or if it's Wild Man Mark Merrow, or Murrow, if you want to listen to Todd, um, and he's just got wild eyes. Is like, what is that? Is that his gimmick? He's just going to come out and have like ecstasy eyes is that the, the selling point that, that's um, Shawn Michaels' gimmick isn't it anyway well hi to be fair that's ecky ecky eyes Michaels um, I don't know I'll, I'll give it a couple of weeks I don't want to make a snap judgement on it he's got the talent he's came on arguably as well as anybody in the world in the last couple of years um, it does kind of put to bed the rumours that well the feelings that he might come in as just being kind of Bonnie B. Jad um, so I mean it's good that they've not just done a cartoon copy of that what's B. Jad? well I was thinking they just might change Johnny B. Uh, Johnny B. Bad's name so Bonnie B. Jad and then he would just come in with like, I don't know a water pistol instead of his confetti shooter but I, I, I don't know I, I'm going to put it in ice for a couple of weeks um, if it means that he's going to be starting a bit with his wife his wife looks alright um, so that might be a seller for me but I'll, I'll see where they go with it. Yeah, um, a nice, a, a nice spot to introduce him here. And I think, you know, at times we've seen, you know, the, the kind of mankind, aka okay, Cactus Jack introduction, the long set of promos. Sometimes just have a guy show up and go, oh, hello. Um, you know, it's, it, it's gonna help if you've got WCW fans that are tuning in just because of WrestleMania. I recognize that guy. Um, you know, that helps. And I think if you're a WCW fan, you're like, well, he's quite good. So I like that. I'm probably intrigued to see more. So I think from that sense, uh, a thumbs up. Anyway, move on. It's Diesel against The Undertaker with Paul Bearer. After a marathon entrance, we start off at a pace. <coughs> Excuse me. Undertaker goes for running elbow, but Diesel moves. Diesel sends into the outside, but Taker starts going with some strikes. Undertaker hits a running crossbody for a two. He then hits a neck breaker on the ropes by the apron. Back on the outside, Undertaker drives Diesel into the ring post and grabs a chair. He swings it, but Diesel ducks. Diesel picks Undertaker up and drives him into the ring post and then does it again. Back in the ring, Diesel hits a big boot, then a sidewalk slam. We get a double big boot and both men are down. Apparently, Undertaker sitting up is enough to completely break the referee's ten count. 
we get a long bear hug from Diesel. Undertaker goes to the top, just about reaches uh, the distance across the ring for a flying clothesline, and Diesel kicks out two. Diesel hits a jackknife on Undertaker, does a good job of it too. Diesel, impressed by his efforts, doesn't make the cover. Instead, just dismissively kicks Undertaker in the face. Hits another powerbomb. He then torts Paul Bearer. Diesel finally goes for a cover, but Undertaker starts choking him. Undertaker fires off the ropes and hits a lovely fine clothesline. He hits a choke slam. Both men are down. He gets up, goes for a tombstone, hits it, and that will do that. Del? We, we watch a lot of shit as part of this project, Bob, and I always try to be positive, but... I don't know what's the matter with me in this paper. I'm genuinely, I don't know whether I am literally drinking the Kool-Aid, but I love this. Um, big man, big man matches are not my cup of tea, ordinarily. Um, I just thought these two had done really good. There was there was a couple of bits in it. I did panic a wee bit when Diesel started the bear hug. I thought, oh no, we're going to have this for five minutes. Um, the bit with the no... With no cover on the on the back of the jackknife, not once but twice was a bit. Oh, I don't know if I'm buying this, but they still they go away with it, and I, I don't know what it is. I just thought it was a really really good big man match, and it's kind of weird. When we've spoke about Taker before when it's it's that kind of it's that kind of character when you can't really sell anything, you can't really react to anything. But he's still incredibly, still incredibly well liked by the crowd, and I think that's a testament to the guy that plays that character. Um, but but the two of these guys done really well. Diesel's been floundering for the last eighteen months, especially after he lost the belt. Taker is still hands down best entrance in the company, but I think there is more to him than that. For for two guys that are renowned as being athletic necessarily, or maybe acrobatic, more the word. I just thought they'd done really well. It was just a big slug fight between two horses. I, th- I thought they'd done really well. Why? Yeah, the, um, the Del, Del said it all there. There's obviously uh, Undertaker and, and Diesel, you know, take a bow because uh, that's probably um, the, the best big man match I've uh, I've seen. Yeah, it's probably the only good big man match these two have ever had with some of the opponents, some of the opponents they've had to face, especially with Diesel being on a being on a first run as well. Um, and uh, you know the, the the match itself for the first five or six minutes was was absolutely crazy. I loved it. You know it was so hot. Uh, and then the pace slowed down. Same same with Dell. As soon as the, uh, the you know the the, the burr hug occurred, I thought, oh, we've got another uh, um, we've got another camel clutch with um, with King Mabel and, and, and Diesel here. But uh, <laughs> unfortunately, it didn't last as long, which was uh, which was good. And uh, and obviously the you know the you know the, the story carried on and and it played really well. And uh, um, <laughs> watching this and, and watching Diesel in his uh, heel run, you know, I'm I'm, I'm I'm a bit sad that he's uh, that he's 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 going to WCW in in, in all honesty watching uh, watching this one because as I said this this heel run he's uh, he's on um you know the chance that he could have had a you know a, a better match with Shawn Michaels and you know they could have rectified the the mistake of last WrestleMania yeah um and um you know it's it's just a shame that he's not going to be able to 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 because he never really had a a heel singles run did he he was always paired with uh, with Shawn and and you know then he come to the forefront and and had his First turn, and it would have been nice to see the the end result of uh, of this, and and you know watch uh, you know Diesel and and uh, Shawn Michaels in in a match. But uh, yeah, I'm 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 with Del. You know, again, I really enjoyed this match, and 
Um, I didn't think that I would uh, I would have done from the start. Yeah, I, I suspect part of the reason this match ended cleaning was that Diesel was off. I don't know how it would have ended had he not of uh, had he not have handed his notice three four weeks beforehand. Um, I wasn't quite as high on this match as you, but I, I definitely as you two, but I definitely watched this and went, "This is the kind of thing we should have seen last year." Like you're going to do Diesel Big Man matches, just keep it on the feet. You know, even even the rest hole was a, a, a standing bear hug. And you think that Undertaker and Bret Hart had this Matt snoozer at the Royal Rumble. And it's like, just keep it on the feet. That's where that's where both these guys are much more entertaining. I don't think it was a great match. Um, uh, was it good? Yeah, yeah, probably, uh, based on expectations. Equally, I think it probably helps quite a lot that, you know, knowing what we know, I suspect that had Diesel been sticking around, had he have been the next program for Shawn Michaels, he probably would have won this match by, you know, by an unclean finish, I would have thought. But given that he wasn't, we got the very kind of satisfying ending, and we got the kind of somewhat logical finish. I'm somewhat surprised Diesel was willing to have his hit two jackknives on and take and have him kick out, or, well, not even get the cover in the end. Um... But yeah, uh, a, a thumbs up from me, I think, in terms of they kept it on the feet. It wasn't too long. They did enough. Um, and the finishing sequence w- was quite satisfying too. Yeah, I, I think um, right to be positive on this one. Anyway, we rejoin the Goldust Piper chase. They get in, uh, they get into the building. Piper runs into the building looking for Goldust. We pass Diesel walking to the back. We return to the R way and Piper emerges going after Goldust, forcing him towards the ring. Marlena's there also. Goldust is just flailing punches and kicks. Goldust pits Piper in it, puts Piper in a pile driver position, then places both his arms on Piper's bottom. Piper escapes, but Goldust starts choking him with his tie. Goldust straddles him, then shapes to kiss him. Piper rallies. Goldust climbs to the top, but Piper manages to crotch him. Goldust then manages to kiss Piper, which enrages him. Piper grabs Goldust by the bollocks, which pops the crowd up. He then drops a knee on the same region before starting spanking him. Piper rips off Goldust's wrestling suit, and he's wearing lingerie. Quite the sight. <laughs> a second shot to the groin, and Goldust escapes to the back. Piper wins the match, if we can call it a match anyway. Del. Oh, gold dust. Um, aside, obviously, for the fact that he gives fat lads something they can aspire to with the, the way he carried off his suspenders. Um, I, I don't know what that is about this show, Bob. Folk are probably getting fed up listening to me now. I, I love this. Um, I think these two tell a brilliant story. There's almost uh, what we kind of said there with Wayne, especially at the Diesel Taker match, where we're going to be sorry to see the back of Diesel. As much as I love Big Scott Hall, have done fa- have done face down with a moustache, um, I-, I was actually kind of glad that this has taken the-, the direction that it has with the, the suspension to Razor and seeing these two. I just thought they'd done brilliant. It was, it was ridiculous for the, for the start, kind of half an hour ago, three quarters of an hour ago, to kind of the, the full car chase thing that will come into, to, to just the end of this and, and some that will that will come on out of part two in WCW with the main event, and it almost like how was this meant to end? This felt as if that was a natural end. The fact that there wasn't one, it's like Piper won that. There was there was no pinfall, there was no knockout, there was there was nothing but Piper won, and it's like 
it made sense. It made sense for the story that they were telling. Um, I think we part two that I alluded. I think WCW were just trying to be too smart with theirs. This one just made sense. Um, Goldust was on the run. He wanted to try and get into the heady paper. There was times where you almost thought he had, but they just managed to tell a brilliant story. Paper get the upper hand. Goldust being the good bad guy just goes away with the tail between his legs. Or, I don't know where the tail was hiding with what he was showing, but I, I just thought it really made good sense. It, as ridiculous as it was, I'm going to use the phrase again, it was ridiculous but sublimely ridiculous. Why? Yeah, I think I'm supping the same Kool-Aid as uh, Del because uh, I've, I've loved everything about this. As I said, for such a short uh, short space that they've had for the uh, for, for the build, um, I think it's been absolutely fantastic. So entertaining, um, everything um, from from start to finish, whether it was uh, gold dusting, doing Piper's pit, and then obviously the face to face they had had in the ring. Um, you know the promos leading up. You know Piper's been been on point throughout, and then obviously we had this. Uh, you know we had part one of the brawl and. Um, you know the, the the you know the 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 funny um, uh, vid, you know cutbacks to, uh, to to obviously the aerial graphic of uh, uh, of obviously the car chase and and then obviously you know the the, the brawl that we had here um, you know we've had a we've had an outside brawl attempted manslaughter car chase homoerotic <laughs> undertones gold dust in lingerie you know it, everything has been just so entertaining about it but I did come out with one question from it all and that was. During the car chase, what point did, or not what point, but, um, what went through Goldust's mind to think, I'm gonna turn around and drive back to the, uh, to the arena? Oh, where did they go and get Marlena? Where did the, Marlena was already there. Where did the police go? <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> we, we, we can't, we can't, like, fuck knows, gave where, them the slap. fuck knows where they found a helicopter from in about eight minutes. But they got a helicopter up there for the for the for the car chase, and we see Piper in this big white car, and you pan out, we see four police cars <laughs> just in formation chasing him down the highway. And fifteen minutes later, they've got four of them lost him. What happens? It's just like this, like just this carnage, just this corridor of carnage out around Anaheim. Police cars just in hedges and you know overturned. But the police, the police never never arrived. Um, what a crazy fucking match this was. I mean, you look at the crowd reactions, it's a good case of this thing being the most over thing on the show. Um, it helped they were into Piper, but they were kind of into Gold Dust as well. Like when Piper rips off Gold Dust gear, they pop for that. And like they, they were into the whole thing. It didn't really make sense, but to be honest, who cares? It was a, it was a fun match, and Wayne, dare I say, probably better than Gold Dust and Razor. Yeah, well, I think we've, we've, we've all, we could all agree that probably has been a blessing in disguise. We all love Scott Hall and, and, and the Razor character, and, and you know, we've all sung our praises about him that he should be higher up the card. But you know, I think it's, uh, like I said, I, I think it has been a blessing in disguise that what has happened has happened because Piper has absolutely made. Well, they both have, but Piper has been absolutely brilliant in this role. 
We get comments from Shaw Michaels. He says everyone knows the story and now it's time for the final chapter. Brett says he just wants to wake up tomorrow with the WWF title. Gorilla Monsoon is officially back as the WWF president. And it's Shaw Michaels with Jose Lothario versus Bret Hart in an Ironman match for the WWF championship. Lothario walks out alone to Michaels music. He gets in the ring and points to the rafters and we light up Sean Michaels who's in this almost, almost on the ceiling in the rafters. He then zip wires down to the crowd. That was really cool. The whole thing takes so long that Sean's music ends up playing three times. Brett comes out to an almost definitely silent reaction. Gentlemen, this match is for the World Wrestling Federation Championship. This is an Iron Man match. You'll be wrestling for 60 minutes. Wow. The man who wins the most decisions will be declared the winner and the World Wrestling Federation champion. Hitman's cool. A decision can be earned by a pinfall, a submission, a count out, or a disqualification. You must, must break on the count of four. I will disqualify you on the count of five. If you leave the ring or if you're thrown out, you have a 10 count to return or you'll be counted out. Do you gentlemen both understand the rules? Oh, the hitman, ever confident. Are there any questions? No questions from either individual. Good luck to both of you. They've actually mic'd up the referee who explains the rules. The thing is slightly awkward, but actually adds to the enormity of the situation. Brett gives his sunglasses to his son, Blade. Wayne, what do you think of this whole intro before we get into the match? I guess there's there's two things to discuss. One was probably the contrast in entrances, and secondly was was Earl Hebner's kind of pre-match talk. Yeah, I'm just touching on the pre-match talk. Um, goes in, goes hand in hand with what we've been talking about the uh, about the videos of the two for the for the build-up. I, th- you know, as I said, they're going at a, a different angle. It's giving it that big match feel. Um, you know, I, I, I can't, uh, I can't, I can't fault them for it in all honesty because they're, they're making it as the as the main event that it is, and they're going at it at a slightly different angle. And uh, you know, I'm enjoying the the, uh, the change up of, uh, of what they're doing with these uh, with these main events. Uh, um, the entries themselves, you know, I thought the uh, the one from Shawn Michaels was was pretty cool, um, and Brett's entrance was probably uh, a lot like his um, you know current title run, and that's uh, underwhelming and overshadowed by the emergence of Shawn Michaels. Um, I just want to make reference to Gorilla Monsoon. If he knew that he was going to be, and, and I know your response here, Bob, is going to be um, that I'm looking in uh, WW, uh, WWF booking far too much. But the uh, Gorilla Monsoon, if he knew he was going to be uh, w, back to reinstated as the president, why did he not come out or after the Stone Cold match and reverse the decision a la the Royal Rumble uh, two <laughs> months back? 
I think we're going to be saying that for the next X number of years. I think we're, <laughs> yeah. going, to, we're going to have to forget about it, I think. Um, Del? Um, if there was an end goal to this, Bob, and after kind of an hour's worth that we've got still to come, the end goal had to be to make Sean Michaels look like a superstar. They'd done it before he even got into the ring. Um, that entrance, I was a wee bit, where is, where is this going when Jose walks out his cell? And it's like, oh, he's getting in it. Oh, shit, something like that. Sean O'Deed or something backstage. And God love him, the consummate star that he is. He's just up in the raft. He's up in the gods, really. Um, the, the spotlight, the entrance, the fact that he's coming down into this click as he's calling it, it, it just made him a superstar. And as Wayne said, it, it almost showed Brett up for what he is, for it's like, you just look at the, the charisma vacuum that is Bret Hart as much. He is probably the best wrestler I will ever see in my life. It's maybe a bold claim, but it, it, it's when you match him up with the likes of Sean, which we've seen in the, the video packages as well. Brett tries to be the, the good old school wrestler and he builds up his opponent, but Sean just talks Sean because nobody thinks Sean's better than Sean. And, um, he just looked like a superstar, and I think they done brilliant. The, the funniest thing for me about it was as much as it gave it a big match feel, and you kind of see, you see Buffer coming out in WCW, kind of main event matches. It was brilliant to have the, the referee mic'd up as if you were seeing the, the Tyson Bruno fight that Vince was written on out. But the funniest thing for me was this is the main event in the main show. The main event of the pre-show was highlighting the ridiculousness of Billionaire Ted, and you get and you get Errol Hebner out there, God love him, talking about the World Wrestling Federation title. And it's like, ah, oh, the, the irony's certainly not lost in me. Yeah, I, I found the pre-match introduction on the pre-show match quite funny, but this, the, you know, it perhaps didn't work given that we had that two hours before and then this. Um, but I thought Hebner, as much as his delivery was a little bit awkward, um, it it really just sat in the it just laid the stage for the enormity of the mm-hmm. match. You know, you don't get this kind of feel very often. And the the minute where he said, "If you don't break at the count of four, I will disqualify you," I went, "Yeah, this is big time shit." That was Colin out. Went, "All right, you've laid this down properly." Uh, that was a big tick. The short entrance was fantastic. I mean, that was. Talk about takeaways from this show. That's the thing. That wide angle, they're going to be showing that for years. I'm not going to doubt about that. Um, as for Brett, I think it made sense that Brett's entrance was Mr. Serious. Um, well, the jury is looking at it. One, it made sense that Brett's entrance was serious, but that's a story they had to tell on commentary. They had to tell a story that Sean's idea of this big match is this big show. And then they needed to ram it home on commentary. Maybe as it was happening, Brett is just coming down the aisle because he means business. They could have done that. Or the second option would have been give Brett something equally as ridiculous. I don't know. Give him a, give him a big band or give him. The easiest way to tell it, Bob, Sean Michaels here bringing the sizzle. Here's Brett Hart with a steak. Easiest way to tell it. What, a barbecue? Oh, you mean like just Brett, Brett, <laughs> Brett Mr. Serious? Yeah, Sean's up his eyes, Brett's here means business. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong, that's what happened, but I, you know, you watch it and you kind of go, well, this is a bit shit. Um, and I, you know, and you combine that with the complete lack of reaction he got, um, which, you know, it happens. Um, yeah, I, I think they did it right, but maybe, 
that's a story you either tell at the time or you probably tell during the night. Say, you know, I guess you don't want to, you don't want to blow the surprise, but say Sean, Sean does a, a, a show, an interview during the show with Todd Pettengill and says, I've got a big, I've got a big entrance plan to, to wow the fans and to, you know, set the stage and interview Brett later on and Pettengill goes, what do you think? What do you think about Sean's big entrance plan? And he's like, I don't care what he's got planned. To me, it's about the 60 minutes bell the bell. That would have been the way of framing it. As it was, it kind of came across a bit shit. And they could have salvaged it. Again, you know, they could have, they could have had Brett doing anything you like. You could have had Brett driving out there in a big car, maybe the one Piper had, I don't know. Um, but it, it wouldn't have fit Brett. But anyways, they got it right, they just didn't present it correctly. Anyway. We start. Sean starts with the throw. Brett rallies into a waist lock and Sean escapes. Brett takes it down to the mat with a headlock. We get a graphic on the screen that says BH and SM on it. Law then explains what they stand for, which I thought was really good. Uh, the headlock is still going. Sean rallies and escapes, but Brett takes him down into a headlock. Sean escapes again, but Brett reapplies the lock again. This has been going for nearly five minutes and the crowd are pretty much silent. We escape, Michaels hits an arm drag and hits an arm bar. Lawler says that after the geriatric match earlier in the show, we can have a Jurassic Park match between Stu Hart and Jose Lothario. That's quite good. <laughs> Brett hits some shoulder tackles in the corner. Sean returns with some rights, which livens up the crowd. Sean follows that with a head scissors to Brett, sending him under the top rope to the outside, and we're ten minutes down. Brett throws Sean over the top rope. Sean does his rumble flip and takes Brett by surprise. He follows this by going back to the arm. Brett rallies out of it, slams Sean onto his back, then goes for a sharpshooter. Sean scurries for the ropes and Brett sends him to the outside. A portion of the crowd boo. Brett ends up sat on the timekeeper. Sean goes for a super kick. Brett moves and the timekeeper eats a boot. That popped the crowd. Back in the ring, Brett goes for another chin lock. Brett levels Sean with a clothesline, then goes right back to the chin lock. Michaels hits a drop kick, then goes right back to the arm submission. We're 20 minutes in. Brett rolls out into a headlock, but Michaels slides out of it and goes back for the arm. In the corner, Brett hits a couple of back elbows and a pair of uppercuts. They leave the corner, but Michaels rams Brett's shoulders into the ring post. Michaels charges off of the ropes and drops to the mat with Brett's arm. This is the focus of Michaels' attack thus far. Brett manages to escape more holes by dropping Sean onto the ropes. Brett follows that with a slingshot. Michaels then charges at Brett in the corner. Brett ducks and Brett starts kicking him while he lays across the turnbuckle. Brett does a bulldog. Even after all the submissions, his left arm seems fine. Brett goes to the top. Sean follows him. Brett grabs a hold of Sean's hair, jumps off the top and ends up taking out the ref on the way down. And at halfway, it's nil-nil. Wayne, I'm going to say my voice for a minute. What do you think of the match so far? Um, I think you can tell that they're trying to um, push it out with it being an hour. I think that's the only thing we can we can say. Really, there's a lot of uh, a lot of holes. That, I mean, they're doing well telling a story, um, but um, you, you just know that they're uh, that they're just pressing time and just waiting for the uh, for the final twenty minutes of uh, of, of the full hour. Go. I think the problem with the match so far is the lack of education in the audience. Um, this is a this is a 1990s wrestling crowd, and to take it even further, this is a 1990s WWF crowd. Well, I mean, based on the reactions of Warrior, Piper and Roberts, this is a 1980s WWF crowd as well. I would agree to that an extent, but it's a, 
it's a WWF crowd in general. I think yeah. if this was a, a 1980s wrestling crowd, and they'd watched Funk and Flair, they'd watched Steamboat and Flair, the, the undeniable athleticism in this match so far is brilliant because there's not really been a slow spot. It's never really been the 100 mile an hour stuff. Understandably, in a 60 minute match, you wouldn't want it to be or expect it to be, but it's not really had a lull. I think the easiest way to get the crowd on board, and especially with the, the story that they want to tell, at least thus far in the match, is that these two are, these two are well matched and they're equals. You can easily do that with, with nothing, nothing, or you can easily do it with two, two, or three, three, um, which I think would have gave the crowd a bit of a lift and certainly got them on board. You get Sean in a comeback spot, one nil down, he gets up to two, one, then Brett pulls it back. It's an easy enough story to tell. The, the problem is, the crowd doesn't really know how to watch a 60 minute match um, I've seen me go to shows before you maybe get a Japanese guy on it you even get a couple of Japanese guys on it you watch Japanese wrestling different to you watch western wrestling and I, I just don't think the crowd's really in, a, a, in an ideal position to watch this but as a match goes and especially when you see half an hour go by with two of the best wrestlers in the world if not the best as much as there's probably a, a, a good element in that live crowd saying this is a bit underwhelming I'm certainly on board with it because the two guys can tell a story and I think it's I think it's going to be a match that's looked back on but as you say we're only halfway through so you carry on Sean goes for a power slam Brett kicks out at two Brett hits a pile driver Sean kicks out Sean goes for a hurricane runner. Michaels uh, wants, line, wants to line up the switch in music. Brett ducks to the outside. The crowd boo. Sean goes to the top, flings himself off to the tops of the outside, and a lovely wide-angle camera catches that perfectly as he takes out Brett. Brett threatens to be counted out, but Sean actually breaks up the count. Uh, in a... Uh. Interesting, we'll discuss that later on. Michaels hits a crossbody from the top. Brett rolls through for a two. Sean hits a perfect plex, another two. The crowd do not seem to be at all enamoured by the sleeper hold. Brett flips Sean over the top turnbuckle. The cameraman is so close to the turnbuckle on the outside that Sean actually disappears in the shot, which is really good. The crowd pop for that as well, as it kind of feels like he kind of flipped over the cameraman to the outside. Brett hits a slam and drops a leg. With 20 minutes left, Brett hits the belly to back from the second rope. Brett flings Sean into the turnbuckle. Sean flies over the top and levels Jose Lothario on the way over. Brett celebrates towards the crowd. He was happy with that one. Brett flings Sean into the ring steps. Sean nearly hits Lothario again. Brett hits a belly to belly for a two. We're on the R way. Brett hits a suicide dive onto Sean. Back in the ring, he goes for a German with a bridge for a two. They start exchanging desperate right hands. Brett locks in a chin lock. Michaels rallies and we then get a double clothesline. We go to the top. Brett hits a superplex. Both men are spent. Brett tries for a sharpshooter, but Sean fights out of it. Brett ends up going for a single leg Boston Crab. Some members of the crowd are booing again. Five minutes left. Brett goes to drop a fist off the second rope, but Sean gets a boot up. Sean fries Brett hard into the turnbuckle. Both men go down. Sean kips up with three and a half minutes left. Sean goes to the top, hits a double axe handle for a two. Why not go for the super kick? I've got in my notes. Sean hits a super suplex, then goes for the top and hits a top rope elbow drop. Another two, a gut wrench power bomb. Two minutes left, a moonsault, a near fall. Why isn't he going for the super kick? Sean goes off the second rope onto Brett's shoulders. Sean rolls it through into a pin, but Brett kicks out. 
One minute to go. Why isn't Sean going for a super kick? Sean climbs to the top, jumps off the top. Brett catches him and locks in the sharpshooter. 30 seconds to go. The crowd come alive. 20 seconds. 10 seconds. 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. The bell rings with Sean still in submission. It's nil-nil. The referee gives Brett the title. Brett starts to walk to the back. He gets halfway up the airway as Gorilla Monsoon starts talking to the ref. Howard Finkel announces the match will continue under sudden death rules. Brett returns to the ring and starts having words with Gorilla Monsoon. He calls for the bell and goes after Sean. Brett fires Sean off of the ropes, then hits a back body drop. Brett fires Sean into the corner. Sean vaults the charge and then finally hits the super kick. Both men are spark out. Brett gets to his feet. Sean hits a second super kick and wins the match. Brett walks to the back. Sean looks at the belt in the ring on his knees. His celebration lasts so long, his entrance song loops another three times. Wayne? Why didn't Sean hit the super kick? I don't know. <laughs> just, sorry, it's just the, um, the amount of times that you mentioned it. It's just nice to uh, know. Now, if the... Um, if, if you know, Dell was was singing the praise. Well, not singing the praises, but he was on obviously having the argument that the crowd, you know, not educated enough on the, uh, um, you know, to sit there through through an hour's match. And, and maybe I'm 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 one of them in all honesty because uh, I think this match condense it. Have a bit from the start of the storytelling and have the final 20 minutes of, uh, of, of that hour. And, you know, I think we're probably looking at a match of a year, a match of the year. And if not match of the year, then definitely a match that would be, uh, that would be talking about at the, uh, um, at the end of the year anyway. No, you know, we can't blame Brett and Shaw, uh, Brett and Sean for it. You know, they was given an hour's time and they did the best with it that they could and, and, and they did. Um, you know, they've had to, to stretch it out and, uh, and everything like that, but you know you've got to understand that you know you can't be having non-stop action all the way from from start to finish, and, and you do have to work smarter. So you know slow it down and tell a story. And, and I thought that they did uh, did really well on that. Uh, um, but you know it was, uh, it was agreeing with with what Dell said before. Um, you know we should maybe should have had a few falls during uh, during the match as a whole that probably would have got the crowd off uh, you know uh, you know on, onto the feet etc and it only seemed to uh, the crowd to come alive in the final 20 15 minutes or so and uh, you know cut it down from an hour to a, a half an hour and you know I think we could be looking at a, a five star match Dell there's definitely a method to to Wayne's madness there um i i think the I don't know whether it's a case that they missed a trick with us, but I don't, I don't know. Um, it was a really good story that they told. I think they could certainly have done with some, some illustrations in the book, i.e. pinfalls, the, the kind of logic holes with the fall. Why does Sean not just kill this off? Um, why would Brett not just put in a sharpshooter? Cause if he gets him in the middle of the ring, it's all well and good trying to get to the ropes, but, We've seen him do it before they get to the ropes. He walks back into the middle of the ring. Sean's got 60 minutes that he's got to put up with us. As much as that's maybe not going to make the, the best of the match. The right guy did win. Um, I think it was a, it was a good match. I can see, I can see the point in it being a shorter match, not selling it as an Iron Man when it's going to be 60 minutes regardless if it's, if it's 50 falls each or if it's nil-nil, it's going to be an hour long. Um, 
I think if it was just a normal match, as much as these two guys could have a normal match, because it is going to be something special, the fact that it's been built into this does make it that bit more special when we've never seen this in a WWF arena before. Um, we've never seen a 60-minute match, certainly in pay-per-view, certainly headlining, certainly with two guys. I would like to think not even at their peak yet. Um, I think that just makes it that bit more special. Did they live up to it? Probably not. Could anybody in the world live up to the, the building this Iron Man 60 minute title match, pay per view, WrestleMania every year? It's the biggest show that they've ever had, and understandably. But I think there's probably with the exception of maybe like a, an Eddie Guerrero or a Benoit who would never be in this kind of position, at least at this point in their career. There's no two other guys that could do this. The only thing that took a bit of a shine off it for me was seeing Sean at the end where it is Jose comes in, he's been built up in this kind of last wee while with kind of training Sean up and being that corner man and as soon as he gets in there Sean just gets him out the ring. Errol Hebner seems to have a bit more respect in Sean's eyes when he kind of keeps him in, but the only reason he's still in the ring is to give Sean the belt. As soon as he gets the belt, Errol's pushed out as well. Sean just wants to live up the limelight. I can see it if he's a baddie. He's no, he's meant to be the best guy in the world at this point. Took a bit of shine off it for me, just kind of seeing that that attitude that you hear rumblings about backstage, kind of creep him onto the camera. But as I say, for, a, for an athletic contest, this was... This was almost gladiatorial, for it was almost like a fight to the death. And I think for what it was going to be going in, there's there's no two better guys in the world. Was it a bit underwhelming at points? Arguably, yeah. But I, I did love it, and I think it was a beautiful, beautiful story with two two undeniable stars. Where to start with this one? Um, sometimes you'll you, you'll watch a movie that like a lot of people have raved about um and you know Citizen Kane. It, it wasn't word association Dale, but all right fair enough <laughs> and and you'll just go you, you know in, in terms of like you know obviously we watch the same as everyone else does it doesn't quite make sense given that you know I'm, I'm, I'm looking at reviews that are kind of coming since but you'll sometimes see movie reviews from critics and they'll go oh wasn't the acting so great wasn't it such a a brilliant picture and they're like admiring the stuff and I go yeah but the story wasn't very good and I kind of you know the, the, the match went far quicker than I imagined I remember when we sat down with 60 minutes I thought this is you know having sat through a lot of quite long matches I thought 60 minutes is going to take a while to their credit it didn't feel like it ever dragged but I think they got they got key decisions wrong um from having 60 minutes without a fall to not, you know, the, the whole thing going in was conditioning, and yet the first half of it was all rest holds. So weird. The whole thing was, who's got superior conditioning? And, and yet they just spent the first half just killing the crowd, I think. You know, uh, don't go wrong, there is an audience that will appreciate this. Let's be clear about that. Maybe it's an ECW-type crowd, maybe it's a WCW crowd from the 1980s. It wasn't this crowd. Um, they they sat him down. They slowed it right down, and I just got more and more angry at the story they were telling. 
and it didn't help that the story they were telling wasn't particularly being rammed home by the announcers. It didn't help that when Brett got Sean in the, the sharpship with 30 seconds to go, the announcers hadn't spent the last five, ten minutes telling people how you know, Brett had worked Sean's back for most of the match. But it ultimately didn't help that there just wasn't that much drama. The crowd flattened out about halfway through, I think, when they realised it was probably going to be nil-nil. I got more and more angry, as you could tell in the notes, that Sean just wasn't going for his big move. The one thing Brett said during the build was, Sean's just this ordinary guy, but he's got this one big kick. Why didn't you use it? We had a match last year, Sean Michaels versus Karma at King of the Ring. It went 15 minutes to a time limit draw. Sean Michaels never attempted his super kick. And then, after the match, Sean just levels him with a super kick. Why didn't you do it during the match? I had that same feeling here. Um, and the match kind of petered out, and, and as Wayne, well, I don't know that the overtime bit worked either, and I know that was where they ended up, and also you needed a winner, but I don't know that, yeah, we, we kind of discussed this when we talk about UFC, I don't know that the big long 60 minute match followed by the really short overtime helped anybody. No, um, we said it all. They should have explained that beforehand. They've explained everything else about the about the rules. You know, we even had Earl Ebner mic'd up telling us that if uh, you know he'll disqualify anyone after the count of four, and and they forget to mention this vital um, vital point of, uh, of of what happens if it if it is a draw. Um, any other any other draw, the the title holder always uh, always walks away with the title. But for for this match, the rules were different. Dal, same question. Um. Come back to something that you said, actually, I don't think I could pick two better wrestlers to win this match, but something that you said about the commentary, it's not going to change the crowd in any way, but I think this would have been a very differently received match if it was a, a Gordon Soley, a Jim Ross, a Mike Tenay that was calling it. I think that would have made a big difference here where you've got Almost an insight, certainly more than you get with Vince and to a lesser extent King. If you had that kind of insight where, where if there is a crowd lull or if there's a lull in the match, you fill in the, you fill in the gaps in colour and they call it colour commentary for a reason. There's the play by play there that a Jim Ross or a Mike Tenay could do. And probably I would go with JR on the call and then maybe Mike Tenay filling in a bit of colour or even like a Jesse Ventura, Bobby the Brain. I know they're WCW now, but they needed something to fill in the gaps of this and I think that's what it fell down a bit, especially when you're going with a 0-0 score. Um, personally, I was a lot higher on the match. I, I, I thought going in it was going to be a lot better, I'm not going to lie. But I still think they've done well. I think they were just very restricted with, with the story that they were getting told to tell with the zero zero, with the lackey, kind of, the lackey, a strong commentary team, the lackey, an animated crowd. I don't, I don't know. I think it was, it was almost as if it was a modern audience where it's like they've been trained to, they've been trained to pop for, for a warrior. And then he comes out and he has a 90 second match and everybody's happy. They train for a, for an Undertaker win. They train for a Hogan leg drop. It's like, it's almost like an instant, an instant gratification culture 
and I just don't think it really worked in this stage, but for all the flaws that were there, I, I was still on board with it. Let me present an alternative scenario for this match, and we can discuss in a minute whether whether it would be better or not being 60 minutes at all. I do like a book at Bob. Yes. Um, Sean, like, I have two alternative theories for this. One was that Sean goes up inside the first 90 seconds, hits Brett with a surprise super kick, pins him. Brett spends the next 58 minutes desperately trying to get back a fall and doesn't get there. Or number two, we're about 50 minutes in the same nil-nil match. Sean hits a super kick, finally, picks up the first fall. Brett spends the last 10 minutes trying desperately to pick up the fall with Sean in the sharpshooter save the last 45 seconds, with Sean clinging on to DLI for 1-0, clinging on to his championship. Del, would either of those have been an improvement on what we got? I very much like the idea of the Sean early super kicking a pinfall. The trouble that you've got with it is try to build Sean as this ultimate underdog when he's in front. It's almost like when we seen Diesel and he's he's good guy run try to sell to kind of smaller guys and get get a baby face shine. It's it's very difficult to tell. Um I, I can but, see where but could you not have had Sean hits the early pin four, and you know it doesn't have to be ninety seconds. It, you know it could really be at any point in the first half of the match, and then Brett just slowly getting more and more heel because this is a crowd that really I think would have booed him if Brett really had given them the chance. And if Brett's going to go away for six months, does it really matter if he goes out being booed? You know he, he got booed at the Rumble. I don't think it really matters. And then you know. We just get Brett getting more and more desperate, you know, trying more and more things, and Sean looks like the heroic babyface. Does that not work? I think it's the tightrope that you watch that I would trust a Brett with. I don't know whether I could trust a Sean with. Um, you see it a lot of times in, in wrestling where people disappear if they are getting booed. If Brett isn't coming back for six months, he'll come back and he'll be the king of that ring. It's the same as we've seen with Piper getting into... Getting into eight, it's the same as we've seen countless times with people disappearing, and folk don't remember the stories when they come back. They just remember the name and the music and the sight of seeing them. Brett would they have an issue with that? I think that when you're not really getting a crowd conditioned for these kind of circumstances, the risk you run with that is do they do they side with the the guy chasing the win, be it a Brett? Or they decide with Sean when Brett just gets more and more past during the match that he can't catch up to Sean, that they would decide against Brett and thus for Sean. It, it certainly wouldn't attain away for the match. I think it would, for the risk that it runs, it being better or worse, I think you're talking at least a 90%, a 90% favour of making the match a better, a better, kind of, a better visual for me. So I would probably agree with you to be honest. Why? Yeah, I mean, the same as really. I think, uh, you know, get the early, uh, get the early fall in from, from Sean. Um, you know, it's get, get Brett chasing him after that. It's certainly going to give a different dynamic on the match than, than what we, than what we watched. But I think you just cut out all discussion points if you just make it half an hour. I, I think, you know, just condensing it down would have been, uh, would have been better booking. I think it would have just been better as an ordinary match. Just don't set any expectations on the length. Like, you know, it, it felt weird when they set it up. It felt like, let's take this match that's probably going to be a classic and let's 
gimmick it to the point where it might not be. I mean, you know, it's it's very you know because uh, reading a lot of the early reviews that come out this show, a lot of people were right really desperate to love this match. There are a lot of people that said, well, it. It was nearly a five-star match, but we knock off these couple of negatives and it wasn't. I'm like, just because it was Brett and Sean and just because it was an hour long doesn't make it that level of match. That's why I come back to the movie review thing. There were some people that were just so blinded by the artistry and blinded by the the setup that it was it was always going to be... They were always going to call it a very good match. I don't think it was. I, that all being said, I give credit to both guys involved in that given the match they set out to have, they did a very good job. The match went very quickly. It built nicely. Um, I think they should recognise a bit earlier that the breath holds weren't working, but you are going to go an hour. You are going to need some break points. Um, it was just more... It needed a bit more drama. I don't think it had it. And... It's more, I, I come back to the thing I said before, don't make your baby face look like an idiot. Sean sure sure shake for the super kick twice during the match. Both of them were around the half hour mark. Why didn't he go back to it? Like, it, like if you keep, if you keep missing, you're gonna hit eventually. And, and, and you know, that was, that was his big weapon. That was the thing Brett pointed out. Um, yeah, uh, uh, not, not a bad match by any shape or stretch, but, too many structural things that they got wrong and I don't know whether that's an agent thing I don't know whether that's Brett and Sean or what um, I felt 60 minutes and then a, a very anticlimactic finish I thought I, it just like I kind of, like, that's the thing like you want to crown Sean as champion? Don't make me feel sorry for Brett that Brett should have walked off at the end of the match at nil-nil returning his championship. And I kind of felt that a little bit. Um, but anyway, that's we've done about half an hour on that match. I, I can understand why some people like it. The, the guys worked hard. They put on a very good match, but the story wasn't there. It was the, it was the well-acted movie that was well-produced and shot very well that didn't have a great story. That's what it was. It's the kind of movie that critics are going to appreciate, but I don't know that your average fan is going to get behind because I don't think the story was good enough. And ultimately, with a bad story, this match is only this match is going to hit a ceiling fairly quickly. Uh, anyway, Wayne, your overall thoughts on the show and a score rating out of ten? Yeah, I thought it was a really good show um, from start to finish. We had a great, uh, a great six man. Uh, we had a really entertaining. Uh, Brawl between uh, between Goldust and Piper, and you know a few other matches in there. Um, couple of couple of down points. We had a return of Warrior, and um, so I'm going to give it a um, you know big big seven. Dell, I'm going to mirror Wayne, but I'm actually going to go one better. I'd say eight. Um, the pre-show stuff I thought was brilliant. Um, the billionaire Ted blow off I really liked the return of the warrior can I be RC and say we can't include the pre-show stuff in the overall score I don't know that you can indeed the... but as always I'm well prepared Bob and for the positive that billionaire Ted brought it also loses the negative of the tag title tournament final well, well, so it well still recovered. out well recovered um, but no nah, it was really good as I say the first half it was just lightning quick for me I don't know I don't know what it was with a show it just went quick the gold dust paper stuff on paper should never have worked. The six-man tag is an opener when you see a division that is just just absolutely bereft of talent. They shouldn't have been able to put on a solid six-man like that. They did. 
the the warrior match for all its flaws it was good to see Jim Helwig get in his return to the spotlight um, the Taker Diesel match as I say it's as good a big man match as I've seen in WWF for a good few years the title match itself I thought was decent it wasn't it wasn't balls to the wall it wasn't kind of all smoke and mirrors they could certainly have done done a better job of helping them tell that story but overall it's definitely up there with, with the best kind of shows that I've seen in a while and I think it's a solid 8 out of 10 uh, I'll give it a 6 um, it's, it's 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 probably like it's probably a better show than a 6 it's more the kind of decision making that knocks it down a bit I think if you just want to sit down and watch a 2 hour 45 minute show you'll probably enjoy it more than I did I just you just look at all the context and you look at some of the decisions they made from you know Austin and Vega what a what an awful I thought it was a really bad decision to the opening tag match potentially you know piling in I don't know maybe you can be overly critical of that um there was some fun stuff but like no, a lot of it was quite forgettable like I'm remembering Sean and Brett because it was so long not because it was such a good match the rest of it I don't know whether take it or leave it's fair enough we, we've seen far worse shows but equally I don't know that there's anything on here all that great and I feel like they took some decisions here that were negatives, one from either booking the 60-minute match full stop or two, the way they booked it, two to having Hunter Hearst Helmsley lose a two-minute squash to the Ultimate Warrior, um, and probably lacking a really good second match. It's tricky in the sense that I don't know if they left anybody off this car that really would have improved it. It's more of a testament to where they're at right now. Good show, decent main event. Yeah, but it's it's not a great show. Um, I, I think when you look at some shows that we've scored eight, eight and a half, nines, and we haven't scored many shows that in the two and a half years we've been doing this, it's not at that level. It's not at that those level of shows. It's not that. It's not that good. I feel like you could have made a few tweaks and made it better, but ultimately it's all about the main event. And as much as I can appreciate the main event, it frustrated me probably in equal measure. So yeah, I'll give it a six out of ten. Uh, we've got no real way of pivoting out of this because that was the end of the month so there's no audio to jam between it there's no TV review to do but we come out of 20 years ago mode uh, into 2016 for a, a, a quick file discussion uh, on a talking point that I kind of came up with while we were watching this show Dell, if if Diesel doesn't hand in his notice at the beginning of March does he beat Undertaker on this show? Yes I think he does Absolutely no, no doubt about it um as soon as you come up with the the talking point, the first thing that I said to you was yes, because it's the first actual challenge the takers had. He's fought um, Jake Roberts past his peak, and if you watch that match again, Jake is absolutely out his face. Um, you watch him against King Kong Bundy at the year before WrestleMania to this one, past his peak, never a, never a fan of him personally. Always just thought he looked like the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man in a singlet. Uh, Jimmy Killer Snooker just passed his peak again. Diesel's the first guy that Takers really had a, had a fight with that, that was genuinely challenging. The only thing that's, I think, that's, that's lost that match for, for Nash at that point was the fact that he'd already signed to go to WCW. When? 
Yeah, no, it's um, in agreement once again. Um, the way that they've been building Diesel since his uh, since his heel uh, heel turn um, has you know has been has been built really really well. And going into this match, I, I couldn't I couldn't see any other way to, uh, about it as well. Um, it would be interesting to to see if they if they would have uh, if they would have gone down that route, but uh, I think we can all you know sit here and, and and agree that it probably would have been the best decision for uh, for the way that they were building the uh, the the Diesel character anyway. Yeah, it's one of those forks in the road that like as much as the Undertaker streak took on so much significance over the twenty years that followed, it's one of those forks in the road that that. Wouldn't have really felt like what Undertaker still could have been a massive star. In fact, he probably still would have been. It would have just been a loss, and it wouldn't have mattered. And then, who knows? Undertaker's probably not around anymore. He's probably not facing Shane McMahon next weekend if if no. if, if, if if Diesel sticks around. Because you know, don't get me wrong. I don't think Diesel wins this match cleanly. But just looking at the lay of the land, Diesel almost certainly would have won this match by nefarious methods on the basis that the big program coming out of WrestleMania, had he been sticking around, would have been Diesel and Sean. Now they did that match, but they did that match because Diesel had, you know, some time running out. And it's like, well, let's pin him on the way out. I think if Diesel sticks around, he's their number one heel. And if he's their number one heel, he probably wins this match. It might be via DQ. It might be via outside interference. It might be say via a low blow or something like that or by whatever you know it's not like there's any number of different ways you could do this but ultimately i think he would have won the match and work that out like like imagine that like we've all we've all grown up or i have you guys are a bit older than me we've all kind of watched the last 20 years of of stuff and undertaker has been the guy at WrestleMania, off the basis of a streak that came into being, what, 2003, 2004, was when they started talking about it, and probably his match with Batista started this six, seven-year run of these just Undertaker matches that were marquee because it was Undertaker at WrestleMania and because he was undefeated. All of that goes away. It's a fascinating thought. It was just something that popped to mind when we were, we were putting together this match. But it's like... That's different, and it's it's it, it's just a thought. As I say, like if if Diesel stays and beats Undertaker, nobody really bats an eyelid. It's not like one of those big what ifs that's a massive fork in the road. It's not the kind of thing that people discussing the streak when they write about the match with Diesel necessarily bring up. It's not like this big moment of luck. It's just there. If if Diesel had won, I don't think you know. I don't think we would have been any the wiser. I don't think we would have. I don't think we would have sat discussing this in 20 years ago mode and gone, that was a bad decision. I think it would have been quite logical. Don't get me wrong, I don't think he'd have beaten him clean, but we would have gone, eh, decent match. And dare I say, the other kind of, the other flip side of all this is that Diesel wins the match uncleanly. The match probably isn't as good. Part of the reason that match is so good is because of the way it ends. And if Diesel's sticking around, he wins the match, he wins the match by nefarious methods. That knocks a bit off that as well. Anyway, I thought they'd add that in. That's probably going to be an article I'll put up on the website in the next few weeks. Kind of what if, and there's many more what ifs, but that's that's certainly one that came to mind. Anyway, I'd like to thank firstly Wayne Lithgow. Thank you very much, Wayne. Thanks very much, Bob. Uh, Wayne, you can be found on Twitter. On WayneL84. Excellent. And Delmio. Thanks again, Bob. Nice to be back. And just for the listeners out there, you might want to get a notepad and a bit of paper and a pen for Bob's mask question in part two coming up. Yeah, well, I, I need—I probably could have done one as well, given that I, I ended up messing up the math. But you got that to. Look. I could have done me a calculator, but seeing we were in twenty years ago, mod, you don't get them in phones. Yeah. That's true. Well, yeah. Well, you, you get them on calculators though, couldn't you? Oh, whatever. Uh, Dale, you can be found on Twitter. 
Excellent. Well, uh, you have got me down at Wayne to look forward to in Volume 2 for WCW. We cover Uncensored. What a show that is. <laughs> uh, volume 3 is ECW, Big Ass Extreme Bash. That's not a bad show either. Like, sweary New Jack is a hell of a lot of fun. We get the end of Cactus Jack, the debut of a certain Chris Jericho, amongst other things, um, uh, uh, and all of that. So three very interesting volumes. So, well, two for you to look forward to if you got all the way to the end of this one. Anyway, I have been Bob Bamber. You can find me on Twitter at Bobby Bamba. Uh, you can find everything uh, to wrestling, everything podcast related on the wrestling20yrs.com website. If you're on iTunes, subscribe, leave us a rating and a review. And that will do that. I've been Bob Bamba. This has been volume one of the March 1996 edition of the Wrestling 20 Years Ago podcast. And until next time, goodbye.